I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Professor? You're going to find this hard to believe. I was sent here for you. From the future? 50 years from now. <laughs> Can you give me that one more time, please? Stay with me. In the beginning, the Sentinels were just targeting mutants. And they began targeting everyone. I've come a long way to guide us, to bring us together. The X-Men, we need your help. Tell whoever it was that sent you, I'm busy. The person who sent me was you. It's going to take all of us to end this war. Your beast? I don't know what you're talking about. You're pretty strong for a scrawny kid. I said, you need to leave. You and I are going to be good friends. You just don't know it yet. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast, where finally we are underway. You wouldn't, you wouldn't believe the problems we've had trying to get started, <laughs> but you don't care. You just want to listen to us talk about films and stuff. So I'm Stephen and I'm joined by James Diamond. Hello. Owen Hughes. Hello. And Carol Petz. Hello. As we take a look at the last week or so in the film and review with spoiler alert at the end, X-Men, Days of Future Past. But we're going to start off with a quiz where it is poised at one all between me and James with Owen in the hot seat. Yeah. Is that right? Yes. I am. Yes, yeah. I am. Yes, yeah. no, I did, because I've done a bit of research. I fe- oh, God's sake. Yes, okay. But you've forgotten you'd done it. I forgot I did so it. Long ago. <laughs> it was. It seems like we started this podcast yesterday, and it's taken yeah. until today to get round to it. But, okay. I've got it here. Right. I'm starting off in 2005 uh, with Pride and Prejudice. Steve. Yeah? I'm only going on the basis that we have been quite often in a quiz picking someone from a film in the main, one of the main reviews. So I'm going to go Michael Fassbender. He, it's not Michael Fassbender. Uh, James. Yeah? James. Keira Knightley. It's not Keira Knightley. Okay. 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 So in 2007... They were in a film called And When Did You Last See Your Father? I'm just trying to think who was in Prime James, uh, Ma- uh, Matthew McFadden. No. Okay. It's the two people I know from Project <laughs> Up remake of Pride and Prejudice. No, Steve. Uh, yeah? Hasn't Colin Firth been in every kind of incarnation of Pride and Prejudice ever? <laughs> he has, but it's not him. He's not Stan Lee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just has a cameo role in every single version. Uh, no, it's not him, no. Um, in 2009, they were in a film called The Greatest. And these have been quite tricky, admittedly. It'll get a bit easier now. Okay. Okay, I'll move on. 2009, they were in Public Enemies. Um, James. Yep. Um, oh, uh, Gerard Butler. No, 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 I'm thinking of I'm thinking of that other that's one that's not quite public enemies. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Which oh, one is no. public enemies? I can't remember. I, no, carry on. Okay. 
in 2010, though, in Wall Street, Money Never Sleeps. Steve. Yeah. Was it Shire the Beef? It was a giant Yeah, yeah, I was just saying. It's not Marion Cotillard, is it? It's not, no. You would have got that straight away, I imagine, if I'd have picked her. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay, it's going to... Stop... I, I know which one Public Enemies is now. I've, I've, I've got my head now. <laughs> I, I still don't. Okay. <laughs> don't tell him. Don't tell okay. Him. Um, I'm going to jump around with the timelines now. I'm not doing it in chronological order okay. anymore. So 2009, they were in an education. Oh, Jesus. Um, no, no. No. In 2010, they were in Never Let Me Go. And it's not Kira Knightley. Yeah, no, no. Uh, um, James. Yeah. Uh, Kerry Mulligan. It is Kerry Mulligan. Yeah, thank fuck for that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I didn't realise she'd done so much. If you just said um, Doctor Who at the beginning, I would have been fucking sorted. <laughs> Uh, um, wow, okay. 2-1. Oh, and I, only, I didn't pick her because she's in any films this week. I just picked her because apparently it's her birthday today, according to Wayne. Oh, happy birthday, Karen Mulligan. Yes, and she's Lovely. an actress anyway. So, there you go. That was quite a difficult one for me. I normally pick them. Yeah. Steve the public enemies away. is that, um, that one with Johnny Depp yes. and Marion Cotillard. I thought, Johnny Bear, De- I thought Johnny Depp was in that. I just couldn't think of it. Well, it was. But you, you definitely knew he wasn't in Pride and Prejudice. So that was good you didn't go down the Johnny Depp route. <laughs> well, OK, so on to, <laughs> on to the news now. Lots of news this week. Let's yeah, start, huge amount uh, of news. All, all involving Disney, by the sounds of it, at, at some level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, pick up there, Steve. Yeah. I'm good at this. I do, I do my research. <laughs> That's <why> in charge. <laughs> uh, so, let's start off with, I suppose, uh, the big news that Edgar Wright has left the Ant-Man movie project and the kind of next film, I suppose, after Avengers 2 is released, the, the kind of next new character they're introducing. Edgar Wright has been involved in this for a long time and he is he has left. Mm. Kind of apparently by mutual consent, but yeah, it's a weird... I, I don't think he's been pushed, put it that way. It's, it's a really odd one, this, because they kind of put it out at the weekend, Memorial Day weekend in the US, so they kind of desperately didn't really want it to be a news story, but clearly it was going to be a massive news story, because it's due to be released in about a year. Um, and he's been developing it since 2006, isn't 2005. it? 2005, he's been on it for nearly 2005. a decade. 2005? Yeah, it, it pre... Before even yeah. Iron Man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it predates Marvel even being a studio. Yeah. Um, it's really... And you know, you've heard at various points, Kevin Feig say that Edgar Wright is the reason we're doing Ant-Man. Um, and I did see today the Hollywood Reporter has apparently said that um, they were about to kind of halt production on it and Kevin Feig had ordered a rewrite and he'd handed it to someone not connected to Joe Cornish or uh, Edgar Wright. And for that reason, Edgar Wright's just finally had enough and walked or something. I'm really disappointed. from a, for, Regardless of whose fault it is, I think we've been denied... A, a great film. Yeah, put it that. I agree. Um, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a massive fan of Ant Man. I do know people who are, um, mm. and I know that it, from from the sounds of it, they weren't going with the original Ant Man. Um, mm. So a lot of people were kind of disappointed with that. But I think Edgar Wright is a really fun director. I think Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is a really underrated film. 
and I think it would have really suited his style perfectly, to be honest. Um, but at the same time, you know, uh, Marvel Studios isn't just like a little independent knocking stuff out for the sake of it. They've got this really tight <laughs> schedule. They've got a mm. they've got a schedule that goes to twenty twenty eight or something ridiculous. Yeah. So if if you know things aren't happening as quickly, and it's meant to be coming out next June. You know, obviously yeah. <laughs> something's going to be done. It's not like there's going to be a lot of pre-production, a post-production, mm. sorry, on a on a film about a guy who goes down to the size of an ant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it, it, does, it does seem really... And what's quite interesting is, like you say, usually you, we'd go, oh, you know, studio interference, executive interference. But to be fair to Marvel, they have given some quite... Um, I don't, not control freakish. Well, maybe that is the right word. I don't, is that even a word? I don't know. But some some directors who do like to own their own vision, uh, and they've given them their chance, and they seem quite happy. You know, Joss Whedon is really happy in in the Marvel universe by the looks of it. James Gunn cannot stop talking about how great Marvel have been, and he comes from the uh, trauma background. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and it was quite interesting to see quite a nice heartfelt message from James Gunn on his Facebook page. I don't know if you guys read it. Yeah. Um, basically saying it was just like two people that he really loves kind of breaking up uh, and it's no one's fault and it's a real shame that it just didn't work out and he still loves them both. And I thought that was quite sweet. And then Joss Whedon kind of Instagrammed a picture of himself holding a mint Cornetto, which I thought was, was <laughs> quite a nice little touch as well. Kind of a little bit of solidarity there. Um, I, I suppose the the only thing you can probably think is yeah, the most likely situation is Edgar Wright was working on it before there was ever a, an MCU, and Kevin Feige wants to put wants to make it part of a, a broader canvas, and maybe that just didn't quite fit in with Edgar Wright's vision. That, that seems to be the most likely reason for because I, I can't imagine he ordered rewrites of the script just because it was bad. But surely he would have Edgar Wright would have known. Well, years and years ago, and all the way like up until recently, that his film was going to fall into part of... It wasn't going to be some kind of standalone separate film. It's going to be part of the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So surely he knew that at some point he was going to have to kind of insert something into his script or into his film that made it you know, fit in with everything else. I don't know. I think, I think it's all just speculation at the moment, isn't it? Mm. And I'm sure we'll hear the full story. <clears throat> In, in due course um, but I do I have heard a lot of people saying that now they feel like the Marvel uh, Marvel films being put into basically safe pairs of hands and I don't feel that's true at all the next mm. film has a fucking talking raccoon in it for crying out loud yeah. and yeah it comes from James Gunn director Direct of Slipper goes super <laughs> <in Slipper. laughs> exactly so no no you exactly do we I, know if um, Joe safe hands I'm sorry I was just going to say there have been a few uh, um, guy who did Game of Thrones took over it last mid month almost last minute for Thor 2 yes, um, and obviously um, Joe Russo and can't remember the other guy the guys from Community so brothers yes the guys <laughs> from Community you know kind of given their first big break with a big budget film for Captain America 2 yeah uh, and let's be honest Joss Whedon before he directed Avengers was was really popular on TV but really the only although he was getting cancelled on TV still Dollhouse got cancelled yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> You know, so, yeah, Buffy, no, but apart from that, on the big screen, really, not very, you know, Serenity and the original Buffy, but I don't think he directed that, I'm not sure, I can't remember. No, I think he just wrote that, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, you know, he hadn't really done a lot, and he's and he gave them the third biggest uh, selling film of all time, so, you know. But, yeah, um, it's a shame. Does anyone know if Joe Cornish has left the production as well? 
Um, no one seems to know anything else because there's also, uh, you know, people are thinking about Edgar Wright's cinematographer probably has left as well, um, and his producer possibly will do as well. Uh, but no one knows. Uh, the fact is, I think it doesn't, at this stage now, maybe it doesn't really matter if he's left the project. Not He's written a script, it's been rewritten, he'll get a screen credit, but I very much doubt he'll be involved in the in it going forward. You don't think he'll be like, um, be up for director? Because I'm sure he would love to do it because it's you know a project he's been working on for as long as Edgar Wright has, um, and he yeah. has got a bit of um, credit to his name with yeah. Attack the Block. Oh yeah, yeah. Un- unless he uh, unless he feels exactly the same as Edgar unless, Wright. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there, there is that there is that issue, and I, I do I've heard he's been sounded out about a Star Wars. Um, about some Star Wars involvement. Oh, well. that would be amazing. Uh, which would be awesome. Yeah, so it'd all be toys, wouldn't it? And, and the thing is, <laughs> that would be brilliant. Yeah. Um, apparently, they have a director in place already. It's just they ha- they're not announcing it, which also makes me think they've probably been sending out this director already. Maybe they knew this was coming, and oh, I don't know. Yeah. It just it's a bit of a shame. It, it is a shame. And also with Drew Goddard leaving the Netflix um, Daredevil mm. series as well, the same weekend. And I really like Drew Goddard's work. He did the he did some script work for Iron Man three, um, directed and co-wrote uh, Cabin in the Woods. Really liked his stuff. I don't know much about Daredevil, but I was going to watch it because of one of the reasons was because of him. And that that also seems a bit of a shame. But it, he's got a reason, hasn't he? He's gone to work on the Sinister Six. Is that right? Has he? Yeah, apparently he's gone to he's gone to focus on is it the Sinister Six the Spider Man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah know he's that. gone to focus on that. So he's di- he's writing and directing that, and so he's left to focus fully on that. Well, that's uh, that's swimming against the tide, isn't it? Yeah, which is <laughs> interesting. Um, so yeah, Marvel, what's going on there? Uh, <laughs> and then Steve, what well, else have we got Disney related uh, uh, One of Disney's other big franchises, other big arms. Uh, it's been announced that Gareth Edwards is going to be directing, taking the helm of the first standalone Star Wars film. So obviously we've got the original trilogy, you've got the prequel trilogy, you've got the new trilogy that J.J. Abrams is taking control of. Um, but this was kind of announced when when um, Disney took over, bought the rights to, to everything Star Wars, that they would be releasing standalone films. Um, and Gareth Edwards is going to be doing the first one, although there's not really any kind of concrete information about what um, what it's going to be about. Um, but you know, it's, please be Boba Fett. But it's, please be Boba but, it, Fett. It, but it's kind of you know starting what they've done with Marvel. You know, creating a huge obviously Star Wars is based in space, so it is in the universe. But you know, a huge cinematic universe in Star Wars. They've already got you know they've already they've already made the kind of six series of the Clone Wars TV series, and they've got this Rebels um, cartoon animated program coming out soon as well. But it looks like they're going to be going down the same route they have done with Marvel as they, uh, they are with Star Wars. Well, and if you're really cynical, um, it means that they're, you know, they've decided to have a film which makes a half billion pound dollar profit every year rather than every two years as well, because <laughs> that's basically what's going to... They, they can... Disney are very clever here. They have bought franchises which basically write their own checks. Um, will we get a bit sick of... Well, they get the there'll be a honeymoon period won't there and the first few will definitely make at least a billion dollars after that though they'll they'll have to make sure there is they can't just look at marvel and go it's dead easy because marvel have worked really hard to get to the situation that they're in where all of their films make guaranteed profits that didn't just happen by accident they took some risks and yeah as long as they do take some risks i think they'll be fine i mean the thing is with, with star wars you could you could have a film 
based around some minor character you saw in the in the cantina in Mos Eisley, and you can make a whole film around them, and it's tentatively linked to Star Wars, and it could be brilliant. It could also be shit, but yeah. You know, well, knowing yeah. Gareth Edwards, it's probably just going to be two boring pricks travelling across a <laughs> with thirty seconds of monster at the end. Yeah, yeah and and I just want to say, I just want to say now, just in case Hollywood is listening, to, I know they <laughs> listen to this. When Steve emailed this, I thought he meant Gareth Evans, and I just picked <laughs> the Boba Fett film with Eco Oasis in it. Now that make it happen. That my friends has to happen. If anyone from Hollywood is listening, here's my idea for something. <laughs> Here, <here's laughs> my, is it yes, Die Hard, excellent. Luke Skywalker? And we've got all these podcasts where my ideas come out back catalogue, so we can always prove that he's in my ideas. But yeah. I want. Rogue Squadron, who you know, for flew the X Wings and everything, flew up the Death Stars. I want a Band of Brothers style program based on them, and that's and that's it, and that's a winner. That's a ratings winner. Tell me what's wrong with that. You're laughing, but tell me what's wrong with it. I, I, I like the fact that yeah, you do realize Band of Brothers was was real. We, that was based on real. Stories. Well, yeah, but you can have to. And there was a lot. Same with but, Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> Just in a galaxy. A lot of times so go we, far, we, far away. We, we, we said previously, we said previously, we, you know, we'd like a, a World War Z style TV program, yeah, based, like in a band of brothers style. Well, I want a Rogue Squadron yeah. one, and that's okay. so Hollywood. Um, just write me a check for the idea, yeah, and we we'll, okay. and we'll go. Do you think that's how real Hollywood pitches start? Yeah, I like Band of Brothers. I, Do that again. I, yeah, I, that is how Adam Sandler films yeah. are pitched. I swear, Can, it's just someone drunk. On a podcast, going, wouldn't it be funny if Adam Sandler did this? Yes. No, we know Adam Sandler films are pitched by um, Eric Cartman dresses awesome. That's it. That's yeah, that's awesome. Right. Um, and then finally, Steve. Finally, um, Disney Pixar have announced the first original kind of idea that's not a sequel or prequel or anything in a long time. Since Brave, yeah. to be fair. Although we kind of forget Brave sometimes because it didn't quite feel like Pixar. But yeah, um, Inside Out, um, which I'm currently just Googling again because I've switched laptops and all my tabs have gone and everything. Uh, and now all I can find is the BBC programme Inside Out. Fuck's sake. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been announced for next year. I quite like the sound of this, actually. And it's directed by um, Peter Doctorow, who did Up. So there's there's a promising uh, thing. It's new and it's based on uh, a kind of original idea, which is a, a young girl um, is like everyone else, ruled by her emotions, as it says somewhere in the uh, uh, stuff on Variety, which I can't. Uh, article will display in 15 seconds. I'm just gonna make it up. Um, it's got Amy Poehler in, uh, which made me quite excited because uh, I do love Amy Poehler. Yeah, here we go. About a little girl. Uh, growing up can be a bumpy road, it's no exception for Riley. Uh, uprooted, uh, like all of us, Riley is guided by her emotions, um, and these emotions live in headquarters. It reminds me a little bit of the numbskulls from um, either Beano or Dandy. Am I just showing my age there? Yes. No one else remember the numbskulls? No. Uh, I know, I, yes, people I live inside a person who can... <coughs> There's people inside you controlling you. And uh, um, Anyway, uh, Pixar doing something original. Uh... I think that's great, and I like the look of the cast. I like the look of the idea, and it's out next year. Um, it's out in June 2015. So look forward to that. And just very, very finally, I forgot to tell you this, Steve, as well. Um, the the other thing is Quentin Tarantino's Hateful Eight is now back on after he's got over his little hissy fit about the script being released online. He's decided he's going to start shooting it in November. So we finally get to see the Hateful Eight, which is nice. I wonder if he's going to have the people who did the read through. 
few Apparently, weeks ago. yes, it is. They're, they're, they're the cast. Uh, that's what I'm reading, is that the people at the read... He's got... Uh, I'm assuming he's asked one of them to sack whichever agent leaked the script or something like that, but he seems to... Uh, which means we get um, Carl... I'm, I've lost my mind today. Carl... What, is it Carl? Weathers? No. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> Peace. Um, no, Time is not, right. Not Kurt, Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. That's what I'm looking for. Kurt Russell, Bruce Dern um, in kind of grizzled. Uh, apparently, it's quite like a stage play. Um, Tarantino Western script again. I'm very excited. Yes. Uh, so that's all for the news. All for part one. After break, we'll have what we've been watching. I say, time for what we've been watching then. Uh, James, why don't you start us off? Uh, yeah, so I finally got round to watching a film that loads of people recommended to me towards the end of last year, including, uh, I will name-check him, the Crazy Munchkin on the Football 365 forum. Uh, it got a number of votes in our end-of-year poll, and I think if more people had seen it, it would have got a lot more votes, and it certainly would have got mine. It's a film called Short Term 12, which stars Brie Larson um, and John Gallagher Jr. Um, John Gallagher Jr. I've seen recently in Newsroom. Um it is set in a kind of short-term foster care uh, establishment in America. It's an American indie film, and it is a kind of almost... It feels docudrama in places, mm. but it is about um, the young people and the kind of... The young mentors, they're not actually counsellors, they're not therapists, but they are young people who are there to keep um, uh, the residents kind of safe and in check, basically. Um Really, really interesting film. Uh, it's written and directed by uh, someone called Destin Daniel Cretton, who spent some time working in that kind of environment himself. And what I will say, just from the start, two films it really reminded me of. One of them was Starred Up from earlier this year, the prison drama, uh, which was also written by someone who worked in that kind of institution as well. Uh, and also the Dardenne's film from a couple of years ago, The Kid with a Bike, uh, which was about uh, foster care. Um, so quite often I, I, I like this type of film what I will say is this type of film was pretty much made for me this film is exactly the type of film I really enjoy because um, A it's an area that I kind of spend some time in in terms of my professional life anyway uh, in around child protection that kind of thing um, but also it's just a really really well made small intimate drama um, about normal people and wonderfully acted um especially i'd say by the 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 young residents uh, of the institution all of whom came from open casting um and brie larson though uh who plays grace who is a girl who has suffered from abuse herself and is now in this position of mentoring other young people a really really quite intense quite subtle performance from her as well and i don't remember seeing her in much i saw her in um don john where she basically didn't say a word until the last kind of few reels um which was a shame because what else has she been in uh, someone can someone fill me in was she in scott pilgrim she was she was, she was in scott pilgrim yes band. that's it yes yeah. mm. thanks for that yes no that's that's uh yeah I, i've completely forgotten about that um but yeah uh I I know Owen, you've seen it as well. Um, I I know it kind of there's a bit of a theme in some of the films that we've seen uh, this week, which is quite interesting. But what what were your thoughts on this one? I, I liked it. I thought it was really good. Um, hmm. That's a very general term to, to say it's very good, but it, it is. It's very good. Everything about it is good. The way it's made is good. Um, 
the script is good. Uh, like you said, it feels like a real thing, you know, that you can believe that these people aren't just characters in a yeah. story, you know, that, that there's there's some reality, some basis in reality to what yeah. happens and, to and these you people. Could, you could tell there's the, cause, um one of the nice bits of it is a few points the the staff are sharing anecdotes, for example, you know, their experience. Mm-hmm. They don't see the experience, but they're sharing the anecdotes. And A, they felt, you know, really truthful. They were really well written, some of them very funny. But B, you got the impression that actually those are real things that happened or mm-hmm. happened around the writer director and he's kind of used that uh to uh, as his as his muse for this film i do like the fact that a film like this i think can sometimes be far more powerful than a, a documentary which shows you the actual reality of somewhere like this because you can have this you, well you can cheat you can you can get people to tell you things that they wouldn't normally tell you if it was a documentary you can have um episodes of drama you can push things forward and uh, yeah all all i would say is it just i thought it was a very very powerful film i really really enjoyed it although i did hear when we had a chat beforehand you said it felt a little bit american it's that i've got a couple of problems with it yeah i mean i've said it's very well directed and it Mm -hmm. is i think there's some really emotional bits in there that it captures perfectly um but there's stuff around like shaky cam i can't understand why a film like this would have shaky cam all the way through yeah, um, mm-hmm. But anyway, aside from that, yes, the the tone of it is a little, maybe I'm being really harsh, a little too sentimental. Yeah. Um, and it's that kind of... I'd call it hopeful. I'd call it hopeful. Yeah, it's very <laughs> optimistic, which... You, you, it's very... If you, uh, what I would say, I'd, like I say, it felt a bit like the kid with the bike for me. It felt quite European in places, but you're right, if it was, if it had been a French film or a Belgian film, it may have ended on a darker note. Yeah. It may have had that kind of more introspective, see, life is really shit type message <laughs> that a lot of European I, cinema seems to really revel in. I don't think it was even the fact that it was missing a, 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 like, no. a horrible ending yeah. to make it seem American. I just think even the bits in the film that were quite distressing were still, there was still a look at, oh, yeah, but, you know, because of this, this has happened. Uh, you know, there's still quite a like chirpy feel to some of it, which seems bizarre to say when you've got kids in there talking about suicide and things that have happened to them. And but it, th- there's something there that it didn't annoy me. I just mm. it meant I couldn't quite connect to it. I think I'm quite a uh, bitter, miserable old man, really. Yeah, and uh, yeah. A film I like this, that was the way you <laughs> don't even like Star Wars. No, but, um... but a film like this, I can see that. I think I just I thinking about that now maybe possibly the reason for that is because it was written directed by someone who's kind of been in that situation and maybe you have to have that kind of well you know bad things lead to better things because if you don't you probably would would end up in a really really bad psychological place so maybe that maybe it comes from being from that world themselves i don't know uh that they felt they needed a that they needed that positivity but i i and like you say you can't argue with the the performances and uh uh the script and yeah a really really enjoyable film i do but i also believe it's on us netflix if you've got access to us netflix so it's definitely worth 90 minutes of your time can i ask you a question about it Dave? <laughs> there's a there's a, a character in it nate who's like the trainee guy yes uh played by rami Melek. and yeah at one point in the film he gives a kid a toy 
Did yes. that scene kind of irk you a little bit? It got to me a little bit, I think. I was really annoyed when he did that. And mm. I thought I couldn't, partly because I thought, well, you know, that's the character's just a bit stupid. Well, not stupid, it's just inexperienced, doesn't realise what he's doing. Yeah. Um, are, are we meant to find that scene, do you think, irksome? Or is it just that, you know, you think, oh, well, you know, he's doing his best, he's doing what he thinks is right. I mean, how did you react to that scene? The, I reacted to that in on that more of that second thing. Uh, you know, it's it's someone who's learning um, what it is to be there because he he does make a huge amount of mistakes, uh, and they're not they're they're not because he's a bad person. No. It's just because it's a very very difficult situation for a young person to be in. I think so. I, I yeah, for me, it was just like he hasn't understood the character hasn't understood the situation and hasn't kind of reacted in the right way but that's that's just how i felt yeah i kind of and I, I was struggling to place him the entire film and i've just seen now he was in need for speed so there we go <laughs> I, I remember i remember him from need for speed now um he, yeah 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 i saw that, I, that annoyed me. I, yeah i, I saw i couldn't recognize what i'd seen him in but it turns out he was in the old boy remake but oh, i can't, ah, still right, can't yeah. remember him from that i just know his face um, but yeah, no, that particular scene, I know it's a strange thing to pick out in a film like that, but mm. that just one particular bit, I couldn't understand the point of it and what no. you were meant to, how you were meant to react. So, yeah. yeah. No, it, it, it's it's far from a polished film, um, but it, it's a, a lovely rough piece of work, which oh, yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, shows, shows good promise. Yeah, it's a very good film. Okay, so Owen, which film are you reviewing? Uh, I well, okay. There was a film that came out last year that also garnered quite a lot of praise from people, critics particularly, uh, particularly. And I think, in fact, um, we even talked about it ourselves on the pod when it was nominated for a best British film at the Baftas. Yeah, none of us had seen it. None of us had seen so it. So finger on the pulse. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and because th- these types of films don't get shown near us in the provinces, do they? That's right. Yeah. Bloody I... Carol <laughs> laughing it up down in London. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, of course I'm talking about the debut feature film of uh, an already successful director, Cleo Barnard, uh, and that is The Selfish Giant. Um, In fact, I do remember when we were last talking about it, and we were describing it as a shock to see it nominated alongside films like, you know, Gravity, Philomena and Rush and that sort of thing. Um, And all I really knew about it at the time was what I read, which was that it was a story that revolves around a young kid in Bradford who kind of nicks metal and sells it to a scrapyard. Um, and going in, that is basically all you need to know about the events um, of the plot. It does it delves in a lot deeper uh, into a look at a British working class family up north. Um, but you know, it's how this this thirteen year old boy with uh, behavioural problems called Arba, uh, who's played by a young kid called Connor Chapman, who played very well by him actually, very very impressive performance. Um, and his friend Swifty, who is played by a guy called Sean Thomas, who is also very good. It's about how they live and how they get caught up in this this like crime racket. Um, I want to say it's a crime racket. It, that kind of glamorises it a little bit. Uh, it's not. They just steal, steal scrap metal and copper wiring. And um, it's this little kind of syndicate type thing they get caught up in at the same time. Um, but it's from the moment you first see Arbor... Um, as he kind of screams uncontrollably underneath his bed. He's kicking, screaming, swearing his head off um, before his mate Swifty, who just pop, pokes his head underneath and calls him a head case. And you kind of instantly know at that point, you know, they're 
they're best mates, you know, and they're going to get up to a kind of mischief and you're going to look into the film and think, why are they doing the things they do and what kind of backgrounds are they from and is this kind of acceptable for them to do? And it's all that kind of thing about about youth, really. Um, and I'm going to use the term because it also popped up in short term 12, the underprivileged youth, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and what, what that means. Um, and yeah, but I think at the same time, it's just kind of, it's a very sweet look at friendship between two kids um, and kind of like a journey and adventure of sorts that, that, that they go on. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, it's, it's about these two people. It's whether you warm to them or not, these two kids um, and their outlook on life, how they look out for each other um, and how they look out for the people in their lives and show them love in the only way they know how. Um, but yeah, it's, it's also, as you would expect, a very kind of tragic story as they so often are in these kinds of films. Um, it doesn't exactly end on a happy note, if you put it that way. There's no uplifting moment towards the end like you get in Short Term 12. Um, but it's still a completely absorbing drama. Um, and it does deal with similar themes to Short Term 12 as well, in, in the, you know, the, the un- underprivileged youth. Um, but young people who come from broken homes um, and the people around them and the influences and... You know, this nature versus nurture thing, how much of it is uh, the environment that causes Arbor to behave the way he does, how much of it is, you know, him skipping on his medication and stuff. But I instantly connected to The Selfish Giant, whereas Short Term 12, I found a little bit too, um, I don't know, maybe unrelatable, I guess. Not that I can relate, I didn't grow up in the same position as these two kids but you know i knew people at school who were who were like arbor and swifty you know i knew kids who were called pikeys and scruffs and were beaten up and mm. you know they came from the rough estate wore cheap dirty ripped clothes that didn't fit and they couldn't stay focused in class all that kind of thing you know i grew up around these kinds of people um and it's i still feel like the outsider looking in and it's perhaps a an element of voyeurism, you know, you're looking at these these kids' lives and what they go through, you know, in a from a safe position, um, and I think that's that's kind of what makes it so intriguing and makes you feel a little bit dirty about it as well, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's no sentimental stuff here really. Um, anything that that is quite nice about the film feels genuine. It's not a forced sentimentality. Um, not that I'm saying Short Term 12 has that either I'm just saying you know that's that's kind of it, it has um, sentimental stuff in very lightly done I think so film that I am reviewing is a film from last year uh, called How I Live Now uh, set in um, in in England um, based on a book of the same name and it's takes place during um, a kind of, it's never quite made clear, but a kind of terrorist attack or uh, attack on London, nuclear attack. And it's about um, a family, um, a a brother, two sisters and their cousin from America and and the way they get split up um, during this conflict and the way they try and find each other again and what they go through. Um, I think Owen might have seen this when it came out. It was made in conjunction with Film 4, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't go much on it. I quite usually quite like... Um, it's not end. Of, it's not post-apocalyptic, but it's kind of end of the world, kind of that kind of genre, yeah. that kind of feel. So I usually like films like that. 
this one, I, don't, I didn't really like any of the characters, and as soon as two of the cousins started shagging each other, I kind of lost all respect for it. Yeah. I just, I just thought, you thought, you thought, they're first cousins as well, as far as I know, they're not like distant fourth cousins, you know, their kids are going to have webbed hands. Webbed <laughs> and, it, and I just thought, why are you introducing, you can make the film just as good as their cousins who have got to be quite good mates and they got to try and find each other again because they don't know anything else and she's from America, she's got another family in England and all that. They don't need to have them shagging each other, it's ridiculous. Um, but no, I don't particularly like any of the kind of the characters in it. They they irritate me, all of them, Irri- just irritating. From the, from the little girl who's just an irritating little shit to, to the American girl who's just an irritating older shit to to the to the older boy who thinks he knows everything and can talk to animals, just does my head in. Um, I don't really get any suspense in the film either. There's, I don't feel tense suspense, even when they're going through the worst of it. Even when you're kind of seeing the brief glimpses you get of the of the worst of humanity when civilization is starting to fall apart. I still don't feel any suspense. Still don't feel kind of any emotion towards anything that's going on. It just kind of everything just kind of happens and plods along and it, then it finishes. You've got just there's no tension, no drama, no you know relation to any of the characters, no desire to see any of the characters succeed in their journey. It just all kind of happens and then it's instantly forgettable. I yeah, kind of agree, I guess. I mean, I did end up liking it. Um, I I guess partly because it was better than I expected it to be. I th- I thought from the when I saw the trailer. It looked like a typical kind of teen lit adaptation, you know, with like these star-crossed lovers and finding yeah. their way back to each other and star-crossed cousins, yeah, star-crossed cousins. <laughs> um, but I kind of ended up liking it. I like dystopian stuff as well, um, you know. It's the kind of thing I I, I generally get drawn to. Um, but yeah, there's a bit too much weird stuff in it, you know. There's, there's the whole like the voices in her head. What are they? Is there some yeah. point to those? They're, and never really explained if she's just mad or if she's actually got some kind of insightful reason for these voices being in her head that kind of tell her what to do. Exactly. And is her cousin Animal Man? Can he talk to animals? Can it, or you know what is going on with that? What, yeah. What? He goes and whispers to some cows at one point, and they'll get out of the way, and you kind of think, <laughs> yeah. yeah, is he is he Doctor Doolittle or is it just some kind of I don't know? It's just... <laughs> Cousins getting together and cow whispering. This, this does sound like my my childhood in Devon. <laughs> I think I might have to watch this. What about the cousin stuff? Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um. Oh, yeah, but there was there were bits. Dystopian future. <laughs> That's what my childhood in Devon was like. Yeah. But there were, um, there were bits in it that I did like. I thought the uh, there's a scene that was from the trailer, original uh, theatrical trailer, where the bomb goes off in London, and it was a bit crap. I, th- I can't remember what the, the band that was playing over it, but it was sort of a U2 kind of moment. But in the film itself, it is. I thought that was quite harrowing. I thought that was a really good scene. Um, I don't know, did you not uh, even like that bit? Is that a bit too much for you as well? or Not really, I just didn't... I can't even remember seeing too much of that. I just thought they suddenly saw it on the television. I mean, I was watching this on Netflix, so they were kind of watching the bomb go off on the telly on some kind of news report. I can't remember them seeing it, at, you know, an actual kind of a scene cutting to it, or am I getting this completely wrong? <laughs> Is that when you went to make a cup of tea, Steve? Possibly. Or, or, it, or, it, or, it, or, 
But no, uh, anyway, no, just I just didn't get on with the film at all. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> it, it was one I wanted to like. I really wanted to like it. I just didn't. You've never been to Devon, that's why. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I might watch this. I might bring back some lovely memories. <laughs> Drinking cider. Of you and your favourite cousin. Yeah. <laughs> I, do you know what, actually, true story, um, my first girlfriend at secondary school, her parents were cousins, um, and so she was her, she was their daughter, but also their second cousin. She she one... There you go. Uh, no, no, she had Ex- lovely feet. Excellent swimmer. <laughs> <laughs> do you know? Yeah, no, she was, she was fine. She was, she was a... She's too good for me, one, to be one honest. Leg, so. One leg shorter than the other and three eyes, but... <laughs> you know what, though? If it is kind of like the end of the world and your cousin, Saoirse Ronan, I mean, wouldn't you? The only woman... Mm. I'm not saying <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm not saying no. I'm not yeah. saying... I, I'm a Devon boy. I'm, so. I'm not saying <laughs> anything, and we're going to swiftly, <laughs> move, swiftly move on to Carol's What We've Been Watching. Um, yeah, so over the weekend, I watched a film on Netflix... Netflix called The Kids Were Alright. I think it's 2010. Um, no, it sounds like there could be some interest in that one. Uh, well, no. It's on the title. No, there's no. Well, as far as I can tell, there's no incest. Um, if there is a potential for incest, though, um, it's about um, a couple who have uh, two children, and uh, the, the two teenage children decide to find uh, their biological father, their sperm donor. Um, because the uh, the couple are lesbians, so obviously needs a sperm donor to complete the process there. Um, and it's just a really nice song. I don't know whether any of you guys have seen it. Have you, have you I've not, it? no. I'm sure I've heard of it, but no, I've not seen it. I remember it being, because it was at Sundance, I think it was 2010, mm. and it was a massive hit. Mm. Um, it's it's a really nice film. It, it's uh, got It stars Annette Bening, um, Julianne Moore, and Mark Ruffalo, and also um, the girl's name who I cannot pronounce, I think Mia Wasichelka? Voskovska. Yeah, that yeah. one. Oh, from Stoker and... Yes. Uh, and yeah, 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 so yeah, yeah, and also the um, whiny emo boy from The Hunger Games. Um, so you know, oh, what the 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 main one? The main, yeah, the main yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, he's actually all right in this. Um, okay. So it's it's just a really nice little film. So they they go off and find their um, biological father, and it's just obviously he hasn't been involved. Um, and the first he knows is when when they call him up and say that they want to meet up. Um, it's just a really nice little film. It felt very naturalistic, um, and there are some really kind of heartwarming moments. Um, Obviously, the, the biological father kind of gets closer to uh, to the kids as it goes on, um, and then things start to go horribly wrong because uh, of, you know they never really thought about having this dynamic in the family. It's just been the four of them, and then suddenly this kind of interloper comes along. Um, but it's really nice, and there's a really nice uh, little speech at the end that Julianne Moore's character gives. I'm not going to give it away because it will ruin the whole film, um, but it's just really kind of heartwarming and also very truthful if you've been in a long-term relationship or if you're married it will definitely hit home um and i just really enjoyed spending time with the characters and it was um heartily recommended definitely is that uk netflix it's on Uh, i think it was yeah okay cool it it does sound you said it was a big hit at sundance and it does sound like a kind of an archetypal sundance film was was there any arcade fire at any point or anything (laughs) like that yeah julianne moore annette benning as kind of lesbian it sounds very very sundance but also no i've i've also heard good things and i have been meaning to get around to watching it so that's another 
recommendation in its favour. I I'll, will I'll definitely get around to that. Yeah, definitely. There, there wasn't any arcade file that I remember, but I do distinctly remember yeah. an Aha uh-huh, Her poster on someone's. Oh, so, nice. So, you know, ke- nice. keeping with the hipster vibe there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's all for what you've been watching then. Uh, after this quick break, we will be reviewing uh, X Men Days of Future Past. And Maleficent. And, yeah, that as well. <laughs> <laughs> you just didn't want to say it, did you, Steve? Before we get on to the main review of X-Men Days of Future Past, James went to see another film and was going to waste our time talking about it. He went to see Maleficent. Yeah, well done, yeah. Steve. <laughs> oh, it's all downhill from here. Here's a clip. Does it on the night. Here's a clip. Well, well. <laughs> what a glittering assemblage, King Stefan. Royalty, nobility, the gentry, and... (laughs) How quaint. Even the rabble. I must say, I really felt quite distressed at not receiving an invitation. You're not welcome here. Yeah, what an awkward situation. That was a clip then of Maleficent starring Angelina Jolie. James, tell us all about this one, please. Okay, so Maleficent is um, Disney's next idea in terms of uh, creating an origin story to explain why a famous wicked character turned out to be wicked. So last year we had Oz the Great and Powerful, which did, you know tried to kind of come up with an origin story and try to explain and make give us a more sympathetic version of the Wicked Witch of the West, um, or the East, the West, I think, um, and which kind of in itself was probably inspired quite a lot by the very, very successful, and I have to say, rather fabulous uh, stage musical, Wicked. I'm a very big fan of Wicked. Um, probably didn't know that about me. Um, but the, the, this, yeah, shut <laughs> up. <laughs> I am a big musical fan. Um, but Maleficent is uh, the, and this time it's a different um, Disney villain. Uh, the villain is uh, Maleficent, who was the uh, the wicked fairy who cast a spell on Sleeping Beauty um, in the nineteen fifty four, I believe. You know, no, probably earlier than that. Um, the the nineteen fifties version of uh, Sleeping Beauty. It stars Angelina Jolie as Maleficent, who at the start of the film. Um, is this lovely fairy who lives in lovely fairyland called the Moors, um, which again takes me back to my Devon childhood, and uh, is this lovely place full of magic and um, really bizarre creatures. And did any of you see Oz the Great and Powerful? No. No. I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, I did. Uh, This is directed by the guy who did production design. For okay. Oz the Great and Powerful. He also did production design for Avatar, uh, and he won an Oscar for it as well. So you can imagine that stepping up from production design to director, he's been given a free hand in career. It looks fantastic. And yeah, there's some incredible creatures. Um, now, next to the Moors is a human kingdom, um, and it's run by an evil king called King Henry who decides to try and take over the Moors. And there's a bloke um, play, uh, 
played by Shelto Copley. Uh, Copley. And the thing is, if you're going to create a kind of origin backstory for a villain, uh, a really bad villain, in Sleeping Beauty, she's horrible. She, like, curses this young girl to, like, fall into a deep sleep forever, basically. Pretty shitty thing to do, basically. So to create a backstory to make her more sympathetic, you've actually got to then make people worse than her and that's the problem with this film is that the humans in this film are just horrible for no reason whatsoever and what happens is as a young girl Maleficent falls in love with a human who crosses over into their border and they get on really well um, but this human grows up and he wants to get he's really ambitious and wants to become king um, and so the king basically tries to have Maleficent killed and so the guy who has spent his entire life with her falling in love with her decides that actually he'd rather be king and he cuts off her wings um, and then becomes king and you go well that was quite a leap um and then and and then as he gets older he's played by uh Shelto copley and basically it's there's it's almost his his character from elysium but with a scottish accent rather than with a south african he's a bearded psychopath um and he is pretty much making that role his own problem is it's not shocking anymore he's not very i'll be honest i like him but he's not very good in this and there's a lot of people who either aren't very good in this and ellie fanning as um sleeping beauty herself aurora not great either i'll be honest and then there's some people that are really wasted in this people like imelda staunton as a fairy a kind of comedy three stooges fairy along with juno temple who i'm a really big fan of but she's one of these three fairies completely wrestling and sam riley who was in control and the remake of um brighton rock um he plays a kind of weird bird man with an irish accent again and the problem is this this film has some look it looks brilliant it does look brilliant in places. I didn't bother seeing it in 3D. Um, and Angelina Jolie as Maleficent is absolutely fantastic. She's almost channeling David Bowie in Labyrinth, actually. Um, you, you know, David Bowie's when she's evil, she's being Jareth from Labyrinth. And she at one point she says something. I just think that that she's seen Labyrinth loads and she's decided to do that. It's fucking awesome. Uh, and that's brilliant. But then the rest of it is just a bit weak and a bit paper thin. I I enjoyed it, and I'll tell you what, it was only one hour thirty seven minutes long. I was, and it's not often I say this. It probably could have done with an extra ten fifteen minutes of characterisation. Uh, it's not often I, I am petitioning for films to be longer. That said, if it had been an extra ten fifteen minutes of rubbish, then no, it's a good length at one hour thirty seven. To be honest, um, yeah, it it feels like Disney trying to do another Oz the Great and Powerful and at least it was shorter and at least it had a central um, performance which I could really get behind because neither of the three witches in Oz the Great and Powerful they, they were all decent you know, uh, Mila Kunis and uh, Michelle Williams and what's her name Mich- uh, Rachel Weisz um, they were decent but none of them had the real kind of you know, charisma of um uh, of Angelina Jolie and the problem is when she's not on screen the film just really drags horribly luckily she's on screen for a, a good amount of it it's it, it's quite enjoyable i think it would be i think it would be decent enough for kind of young teens older primary school kids to go and see and i think they'd find bits of it quite scary uh and i think they'd enjoy it and it's not going to test their patience by being over 2 hours long so it, it was decent enough okay 
so now on to the the major uh, review we're doing this week, which is the newest instalment in the X Men series of the X Men franchise. That is X Men Days of Future Past. Here is a clip. How did you lose them? The treatment for my spine affects my DNA. You sacrificed your powers so you could walk. What do you know about it? I've lost my fair share. Huh. Dry your eyes, Eric. It doesn't justify what you've done. You've no idea what I've done. I know that you took the things that mean the most to me. Well, maybe you should have fought harder for them. If you want to fight, Eric, Sit I will down. give you a fight. Let him come. You abandoned me! You took her away and you abandoned me! Angel. Azazel. Emma. Banshee. We were supposed to protect them! Eric, where were you, Charles? You abandoned us all. Okay, then, that was a clip then of X-Men Days of Future Past, uh, where uh, the the... The, the, the character, the, te- the actors from um, X-Men First Class team up with those from the original trilogy uh, as they look to um, battle the Sentinels. What do we make of this film then? I, do you know what? I, I'm just going to say right now, I, I really enjoyed this film. Um, but one caveat being, and this isn't a spoiler... Um, this is more of a sequel to X-Men First Class than it is some kind of wide-ranging um, superman, uh, superhero X-Men mashup of the entire lot. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. And, and go into it with that expectation, and, and I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it quite a lot, but there was a bit of a lack of X-Men fighting X-Men for me. <laughs> I will say when you go into sh- they're, all, they're all on the same side aren't they yeah basically? but when you're going to see a film like that you do expect to be there a bit more kicking off even though you blatantly <laughs> know they're all teaming up against the <laughs> apocalyptic future want... X-Men versus everyone there's got to be some fighting isn't there quite a few graphic novels you'll probably be interested in if you want that <laughs> <laughs> can I just yeah. say though the fighting the fighting in it that was in it, even though it was an X-Men versus other X-Men, um, was really quite much better, quite a bit better than it had been in previous X-Men films, I think. Mm. Stuff against the Sentinels was brilliant. The, yeah, just say, the opening 15 minutes, I, I love. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't think the film quite, apart from maybe the last 15 minutes, but... The, the first 15 minutes set its bar so high it was at times a little bit difficult for some of the rest of the film to kind of reach that bar again because there was some there what there was some x x men and women is that the politically correct term do we call them x women as well i don't know yeah, it's uh, just a, people. a collective noun x men is fine x men is okay that's good um but yeah that yeah there was some x men that i not being um from the uh, kind of comic book reading fraternity, and it's not through wanting to. I just haven't. I just never have. Um, but there was some that I didn't know about, and some really cool new powers that I'd not seen on screen before, and that got me quite excited to begin with. Um, a really, really strong opening to the film. I thought. I absolutely loved it, and I I can't even put really put my finger on it. I'm I'm a huge fan of Brian Singer X Men films. 
Uh, I think I made this perfectly clear a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. X-Men 1 and 2 are absolutely fantastic. Uh, I remember going to see the, the original X-Men. I was 18 years old. And bear in mind, at this time, you know, none of none of this Marvel stuff existed. You know, we had a Blade mm-hmm. film a couple of years before that, but this was the first serious tilt at having yeah. a, a proper comic book film. And, you know, it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but it was it was just so much fun. And I came out It treated so its happy. audience as adults, didn't yeah. it? That's what I really enjoyed about it at the time. It's one of the first DVDs I remember buying, actually. Exactly. Uh, and uh, and that would, you're exactly right. It, it just felt like someone had had a serious go at making, and they, they didn't think, oh, this is an easy paycheck, or, oh, this is for the kids. He went, no, I just want to make a good superhero uh, you know good comic book movie and and it is it really is and it's had a huge cultural impact as well and i th- I, I do think without the original x-men series we wouldn't have had the avengers and you know that kind of thing it would it really it helped make those films possible yeah absolutely and um oh, x-men 2 is just one of my favorite films of all time never mind the genre mm. um so th- this is probably my second favorite film uh, in the series after X-Men 2 and I will be going back to see it in the cinema again and it may even usurp X-Men 2 given time and familiarity wow it's a bold just, claim it's a, it is a bold claim yeah I just absolutely loved it I'm a, I'm a big fan of the book and um, it was just it was utterly fantastic just the way it portrayed first of all you were saying about the opening 15 minutes mm. just some of the most brutal i'm not going to give it away here um mm. but just some of the most brutal action you've ever seen yeah. um you know in, in a 12 way yeah some really horrible um, deaths <laughs> it would no it was it was it was brilliantly shot um and and the other thing i would say like i said it, it feels like a sequel um to first class rather than which is weird it kind of bridges that gap but i watched first class again the night before because i remember really enjoying first class um and then we chatted about it on the podcast about a year ago and i remember owen and jerry being a little bit less enthusiastic than <laughs> i was and this time i kind of saw that actually and i watched it and it felt a little bit Austin Powers at times, yeah. and, uh, I, 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 and there were great bits of it, and there, and I, I'm a big fan of Matthew Vaughan, um, but it felt to me like he was trying to make a 60s kind of spy movie. Yeah, it was like a Bond film. And use the X-Men, yeah, and, and use the X-Men, whereas this actually felt like an X-Men movie, yeah. uh, and and this this just felt like, oh, oh actually, no, now this is what an X-Men, X-Men film feels like, and I think maybe we liked First Class so much as because uh, Last Stand was the previous kind of proper X-Men film before that, and it's like, well, it's better than Last Stand, thank God for yeah. that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> but no, this just this just felt really, really um, solid. Feels like a bat, solid, almost feels like a backhanded compliment. But it was really, really solid and well thought through. And for a film involving time travel, a I kept up with it, and it really annoys me that newspaper reviews keep talking about it being difficult to follow. Yes. Seriously, how childish do you have to... You know, episodes of Doctor Who... Uh, they, they, in fact, they throw the same criticism at episodes of Doctor Who sometimes, and I think, well, have you actually watched it? And it's the same thing here. You know, If you actually sit down and watch it, 
I I struggle to think who wouldn't keep up with it if you've got some moderate level of intelligence. Yeah, there's at least twice when someone says, oh, hang on, let me get this straight. This yeah. is going to happen. <laughs> Which, yeah, because I, I read exactly those criticisms and I, I was sitting there thinking, I'm not finding, I mean, obviously, as I said, I, I do know the story and I and I have been uh, keeping up with the films, but I wasn't finding this difficult at all. I, I was with someone who hasn't read the, the story and he, and he was keeping up with it absolutely fine. I've never it's, read an X-Man comic in my life. It's not and... especially close to the comic, though. I mean, no, it takes it's, elements from. It is oh, yeah, the, similar. Mm, uh, the, yeah. the basic kind of premise is. Sort of, I guess. I mean, debate going back in time to stop her. No, yeah. Wait, in the comics, she go. Yeah, she goes back in it's time. It's a different person who goes back Fitty in time. Fitty Pride basically goes back in time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in this, it's Wolverine. And it's to stop uh, Senator Kelly being killed, but he's already been. He's already dead. We've already so. used him, haven't yeah. we? Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> But uh, okay, yeah. yeah, it was just, it was really fantastic. It was so funny in parts as well. Um, yeah. Quicksilver's um, thing was oh. just fantastic. Just loved Wasn't it. Wasn't that just, oh, that, and, and, you know, that really puts the pressure on Avengers <laughs> next year. What are you going to do with Quicksilver? Because we, we, and again, in a way, I really admire, and it's not a spoiler, you don't see enough of Quicksilver. You don't. No. You don't. And I wanted to see more of him. But in a way, that's good that they left us wanting more of him. Um, but yeah, it does really kind of put that challenge down to Avengers now. Saying, go on then, what are you going to do with Quicksilver? Because he pretty much stole the... Well, he stole the scenes he was in hugely. Yeah. Yeah. But he almost stole the film, actually. His relatively minor role. And that's some going for a film that's got, you know, McAvoy, um, yeah. Bassbender... Hugh Jackman, yeah. Jennifer Lawrence, yeah. Peter Dinklage, who's no longer Irish, which is which was fun as well. <laughs> I think he did turn Irish at some point. Yeah, he was. His accent wasn't the most consistent part of the film. No, no. but it was it was a bit better than at First Class, where he, at one point he just turned into Oliver Reed. Yeah, which was right bizarre. at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's bit on the plane. I thought his accent was wavering a, bit, a little bit, wavering yeah. a little bit. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but these are minor. I mean, there are there are massive, yeah. massive plot holes in there. Why the hell? And this isn't a spoiler because it's in the trailer. And this might be a really stupid question because I haven't heard anyone else asking this. Why the hell did he lift up the stadium? Um, Why not? Because it, it, it looks good. Because <laughs> I can. Yeah. <laughs> Demonstration I, I, of power or something. I probably yeah. would, to be honest. I suppose, yeah. I suppose it gives him a good, like, ring of protection. But he could literally pick up anything to make. Like, there must be loads what's, of. What's bigger, what's bigger than the stadium? Like, yeah. so you can he's just trying to outdo um, Bane from the uh, Dark Knight Rises. It did, it did you've, you've got to have some kind of stadium destruction. Yeah, <laughs> I did get that a little bit. Yeah. I, I did get that feeling from uh, from that. Uh, j- just a tiny bit that we were trying to kind of yeah. outdo Bane. But uh, yeah, I was just sitting there thinking, this, this looks great, but I don't see the need. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, there were a few bits yeah. where suppose some artistic license has been taken yeah. uh there were some bits which if you're not a fan um or if you haven't read a bit and i'll be honest i did do a bit of background reading before we didn't i suppose you shouldn't have to go and do background reading before you go in for example wolverine not having kind of adamantium claws uh, that's shook me for it and it's not a spoiler like he goes back in time and he's got bone claws instead of adamantium ones it's like uh, and that had i really had to kind of struggle back in my memory banks go oh, okay yeah that kind of makes sense because of that 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 and that but it, it did make me work for it yeah. in a case yeah it's not, so that's it's not a bad not thing spelling things out for you which i actually quite no. like because yeah. it has yeah, been covered in the films thing. yeah exactly um 
Uh, I, the only other criticism that I have seen um, is that it features a lot of um, Mystique stroke Raven and that in kind of in original films. And I don't know what it's like in the comic books. Um, she isn't quite a, a central character. No. And a lot of people saying that they've done that because she's played by Jennifer yeah. Lawrence and therefore they have to make her a central character. Now, as you two have read the original story and you two are more kind of more knowledgeable in these areas. Is is that a fair criticism? Uh, well, yeah. I don't know whether it's... Because I think it worked for the film. Yeah, I don't yeah. know whether it's a criticism. It's true. Point of view, it worked for the film. But um, I don't know whether it's necessarily a criticism. I mean, because on the face of it, she's a brilliant assassin. She can change into whoever she wants. So it definitely makes more sense to have her do it than... Um, I think I think it's Magneto. I actually went to read it and I can't find my book. <laughs> I was devastated. Um, I think I've lent it out to someone. Note to self, never lend out books again. Um, I think, yeah, but I think it's Magneto that I think... um, Owen, you read it just the other night, didn't you? Um, He goes back. definitely not Mystique, anyway. No, but then there are other things that they've done, like Wolverine is the one that goes back. But in the films, that makes perfect sense because, you know, if Kitty went back, she'd be like minus 20 or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, yeah, definitely artistic license has been taken with it, but it's all... You know, it all makes sense. There's, there's no, there's no negative connotations to it. Not, not from me anyway. I understand that why they've had to give Jennifer Lawrence a bit of a bigger role. Um, I, I actually feel a bit happier because at the end of First Class, I couldn't really see how she sort of grew into the the later Mystique. Yeah, and I do like Jennifer Lawrence, but I just didn't mm. see how the two fitted together. Mm. You can see how um, Professor X and Magneto kind of match yeah. up. I, you can see that path. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't see it in that one. I could definitely mm. see it in this one, even though she won't really do that now, but that's for later, I think. <laughs> yeah. The only criticism I have with Jennifer Lawrence's um, version of Mystique, really, isn't so much in the way that she's developed through the film, because she, I mean, she is a pretty good actress anyway, isn't she? I mean, mm. she's won yeah. awards, and she, she's been brilliant in quite a few films. Um, and the character she's played is one of the most interested mutants anyway. Um, the only problem I have is it kind of forces a lot of other interesting characters into being just kind of uh, on the sidelines. So you don't really get to see as much of um, Beast as I would have liked. Mm. Um, and it, and you, could, you could argue Wolverine as well. Wolverine as well, yeah. He's um, surprisingly yeah. underwritten in this film. Yeah. That's not, yeah, that's not that's a bad thing. No. Because he has had uh, his own two films and you could argue the first two are mainly about him as well, to be honest. Yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He's he's the one that they kind of pin the franchise on almost, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, it's like, yeah, he's the one who's been in seven of the films and yeah, that kind of thing. Um, so it was, well, but yeah, I'm not, again, I'm not even saying that was necessarily a criticism, but it was quite interesting that he is kind of set up as the lead of the film, but I don't he's think, not. He, in terms of the story, he's not the lead. Yeah. Yeah, he's just the link, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. But I, Although, thought it, I, I, thought it, I thought it worked really well. Yeah, hmm. I thought Jackman, McAvoy and Fassbender together on screen, they work really well off each other, don't they? Yeah. Every yeah. scene they're in is just oozing with this charisma. Uh, and it's it's what you get when you actually cast really good yeah. actors uh, in, in films like this. You know, as, as long as someone takes a bit of work on the script, then you're, gonna get, you're not going to get a bad film uh Unless you do something terrible in post-production, if you've got those three delivering the you know a good bulk of your lines, mm. basically. Mm. 
Yeah, I would have also liked to have seen more of Peter Dinklage as uh, Doctor Trask. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah, big fan of his, and mainly from Game of Thrones, to be honest. Oh yeah, big fan of Peter, and everyone says yeah, big big. Pa- oh yeah, brilliant that he's in this, and everyone is saying that purely, pretty much because of uh, Game of Thrones. I've, I've not seen Station Agent yet, but I keep kind of meaning to watch it, uh, and and his role in Elf. That's that's what I know him <laughs> from. But do you know what? He's brilliant in both of those, and he's he's really good in this as well. And it would have been nice to have seen a bit yeah. more of him in this as well. Although talking about uh, you know dodgy accents, he didn't do well with his accent. I didn't think, but otherwise. What was his accent? He was. Uh, it was a, like a weird American accent he was putting on. I know he's from America anyway, isn't he? Isn't he from New <laughs> But I don't know what kind he's of American. Yeah. I, can't, I don't know what accent he was trying to put on, but it sounded very bizarre. I think he was. Yeah, I think he was probably filming Game of Thrones at the same time or something like <laughs> that. It's just. Yeah. I, uh, but I'll be honest. It didn't. It didn't. It didn't put. I hadn't noticed that actually. No. I'll, I'll look at that the next time I go I'm, back. And watch I'm going to go and watch it this weekend. Yeah. I'm going to look at no, that. I won't definitely. be able to not. Yeah, you know, I won't be able to let it go. Unfortunately. Come back. Oh, um, the accents are dreadful in this. <laughs> what they think? But yeah. I, 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 overall, though, I thought it was a great action film. I, I'd, I'd say it's my it's it's my favourite comic book film since Avengers. Yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. I think that's fair. I think it just edges Iron Man three. Just edges Iron Man three for me. Um, oh, I forgot about Iron Man three. No, below yeah. Iron Man three for me. But, oh, oh, I, oh, I don't know. I need I need a second watch. Just, I need a second watch of both of them. Yeah, actually, it but, just edges the Winter Soldier for me, but I've only seen it once. Uh, okay. Uh, see, this just edged Winter Soldier for me. This mm. this edged Winter Soldier, but uh, yeah, I, I just really enjoyed it, and it, it's nice to see. Um, you know what? It's nice to see good comic book um, films existing outside of. I know it's a. I know it's a Marvel item, uh, but outside the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So that yeah, that's that's good. Uh, and Brian Singer is doing the sequel as well, isn't he? I I think that how many years has Obama got left in office? Three, I think he yeah. should probably pass a law just saying that Brian Singer's only allowed to do X Men films. <laughs> it's, it's not very, you know, since he, he's a suspect, he's not very good at other films. So and he's only allowed to do them, and no one else, and he's also the only one allowed to do. Yeah, X-Men. exactly. And everyone yeah. will just be a lot happier. You yeah. know, it would just everyone will be everyone will be fine with it. I I could deal with that. Yeah, yeah. Because no, you're exactly right. And and again, when I've kind of you guys talked about the debut uh, director's debuts, and it is an odd one that. This is the, the usual suspects was his calling card, and then you see how his career has gone since. It's really, really weird. However, usual suspects and X Men are the ones that you know, really stick with you. Everything else, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, God, did he direct Gods and Monsters, or am I thinking of someone else? Oh, I think he did yeah, actually. Yeah, that's all right. That was quite yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's what. But he's not really gone back since to that, his though. kind of indie-ish roots at all. So, uh, yeah. No, I, I agree with you. Though. Let's let's get. Let's get a petition up on 38 degrees. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I think that really brings to a close in our discussion on X-Men uh, Days of Future Past. Unless you want to hang around for spoiler alert after the break. So before we go, um, for those who aren't sticking around for spoiler alert, here is some recommendations for the week ahead. I'm going Saturday night. You've come in from the pub. It's half past one in the morning. You don't want to go to bed just yet. Whoa, 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 Steve. I'm 34. It's half ten <laughs> at night when I come in from the pub. Well, there you go. <laughs> half past one at night. You come in from the pub. You've had a few beers. You don't want to go to bed just yet. Channel 4 plus one hot shot. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great shout for that time of night, to be fair. That is a great shout. Uh, James, 
Um, I've got uh, there's a new DVD out on Monday, and it is uh, Dallas Buyers Club. Um, it, it's that great time of year where all the kind of really good award-worthy films from earlier in the year are being released. Twelve Years Slave was out very, very recently. American Hustle was out recently. And yet, uh, Dallas Buyers Club. If you haven't got around to seeing it, go and watch it because. Um, what acting performances as I think as we said at the time the film itself is very very decent uh, but the acting performances elevate it um, far beyond the sum of its parts really great film if you've not seen it at least get a rental on it uh, Carol I'm going to go slightly highbrow for mine on Saturday at 10pm on Sky Arts 2 is the Ooh. yeah is the uh, filmed version of Oklahoma uh, which is about uh, 15 years old I think um, and it's the National Theatre production with Hugh Jackman in it, a pre-X-Men <laughs> Hugh Jackman and it's, I wow. watched it at Christmas um, and it was just, it was fantastic so uh, I definitely recommend it if, if you like the... You know I'm a musical exactly, fan now, yeah. so I'm, I'm getting on that yeah. is, is this Jackman singing again? Yes it is, mm. it's quite he, long He can sing and dance he is, he's, mm. he's <laughs> and, and look how good looking he is as oh, a bastard he's just an utter utter bastard he's the ultimate package and he seems like a nice guy as well yeah. I mean, seriously what the, what the hell is wrong with that? <laughs> uh, Owen uh, okay on uh, BBC4 at 9pm on Friday um, is the documentary Searching for Sugarman uh, directed no, by Malik Benjalil I think you pronounce his name who died yeah, recently oh, yeah, um, yeah, took his own life. Yeah, yeah, very, very sad story. Um, um, great documentary as well, Owen. Yeah, definitely. it's brilliant. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Don't read up about and, it. And, yeah, that's it. If you don't know about it, just watch it. Yeah. Just that's really important. Deserves the praise it's got um, yeah. and the awards. So I think it won the Oscar for best pi- for best it documentary. So yeah, definitely get that watched. Okay, so yes, that's all for this week's podcast. Unless you're staying around for spoiler for X Men. Uh, if you haven't seen the film and you listen on past this point, we can't be held responsible uh, for you having the film ruined for you. But if you yes, Matt, Lamborn. yes, Matt Lamborn. But if you want to stick around, listen to us talk about the film in, in more depth, then you're more than welcome to join us. Spoiler alert for X-Men Days of Future Past. Where are we going to start with this then? Where are we going to start? Should we start at the post-credit scene? Let's start at the end. Yes. With yeah. the post-credit scene of someone and the pyramids. Uh, comic book people, tell us about this. <laughs> uh, it was Apocalypse. It would have been probably more interesting had the next film not already been announced as X-Men Apocalypse. Mm. I think it would have been mm. a lot more exciting if we didn't know anything about it. Uh, so, uh, obviously, everyone, you, you kind of fade up on someone in ancient Egypt. Everyone's charting Ensabanur, which is his Egyptian name. Uh, I, I, I thought it was a woman. Uh, and I wasn't alone <laughs> in thinking that in my <laughs> screen. But apparently it was just a, very, a small boy. Um, and it's Apocalypse of a Small Boy, and he's basically like uh, the original mutant, and uh, he kind of goes through time. He, he's kind of involved in everything crap that happens, really. Uh, so it's going to be it's going to be quite an interesting one. If you weren't sure who it was, uh, as it pans round, there's four horsemen of the Apocalypse behind him, just to mm. make it perfectly clear. Yeah. 
I'm glad I I'm glad I knew I I knew that's what the I knew who the post credit trailer was about. Um, so that helped for me because otherwise I would have had no clue. I'll be honest. It's a bit like at the end of Avengers. Yeah, I was going to say it's a bit like Thanos. Uh, I was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, who's that? Hang on, is that a, is that a Red Hulk? What? Uh, yeah, okay. and yeah, so that's what I had there. And here, I at least I had forewarning. Um, otherwise, I might have reacted like Owen. Yes, I thought it was utter bollocks. I am sick of these fingers. I've got. I'm just fed up with them. I stick around for them all the time, and they're just pointless and such a waste. They're good if they're well done. The the one at the end of Winter Soldier is excellent. The best one I've seen is probably, for for the longest time, at the end of The Wolverine, actually. Yeah. The one at the end of The Wolverine was good. Okay. The one for the... I just thought, what an utter waste of time. I don't know that sounds quite mean anyway, because, you know, going watching the credits, the names of the people who've been involved in this multi-million pound film I've just spent the last two hours watching... Wow, what a fucking waste of time I've spent wait, waiting for their names to scroll past my eyeballs. But the post-credit scene on this, I just thought, what? It's nothing. It doesn't do any. It's just like, oh, you know what the next film is, and there's apocalypse. And also, it's not mid-credit. They actually made you raise yeah. right, right till the end. Till the yeah. end. <laughs> it's not like the Marvel one where they give you the important one mid-credits and then they give you a nice throwaway one right yeah. at the end. No, I think um, the Wolverine one was like that as well, though, wasn't it? Oh, was yeah, it? Uh, I think yeah. so. I, well, I, did, I, I thought that was quite quite a good one. I liked the one at the end of the Wolverine. This no, just I'm not. I think that's it now. I'm done with them. I'm not going to bother staying around. Just go look them on. Look at them on I'll YouTube. I'll wait for someone to tell it's me. Literally I'm... five minutes, Owen. Yeah. Uh, it's five minutes. It could be getting to the car and getting. Five minutes. Oh, I... I won't ever get back. Yeah. <laughs> you, Owen's one of those who leaves the football five minutes before the end. Beat the traffic. Oh, Beat the traffic. He doesn't. He's going to start doing the same with films, though, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nah. At least five minutes before the end yeah, of I'll look, I'll look up the ending on Wikipedia when we get home. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so let's move on. Yeah, yes, let's talk about let's talk about death. Did anyone else yeah. cheer when Storm got it? Was it just me? <laughs> kinda did, kinda did. <laughs> uh, I think one of the I, I I do think one of the little criticisms I had about the film actually was the fact that the second time round the deaths just didn't have that much impact. I already saw them mm. once. Uh, mm. Although they were really savage i can't remember which time we saw colossus die was it the first or the second one where it gets pulled in half second, second yeah, one, that think, was just that, yeah, was that was horrible i yeah. winced even though yeah, you can quite was... obviously see it's it's not real but it was it was awful same when uh, iceman's head gets taken off yeah horrible was some, yeah oh um, um, talking who, just i know this isn't really a spoiler yeah. worthy for spoiler alert carol the the oh, the you know you've got iceman there who's the guy who's on fire because i couldn't pick the only Boy thing man. <laughs> it's yeah, not Human Torch, is it? It can't no. be Human Torch. I know he's in Days of Future Past comic, but he's not in these no. these franchise. They don't own the rights to him. No, Do you know who it was? Uh, it's Sunspot. Ah, oh, Sun. Yeah, okay. He's Later basically like Pyro, but he can yeah. make fire as well, and yeah. okay. he's a much uh, better nuclear one. Nuclear blaster. Yeah. That 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 was cool. Um, I, I, I'll was be honest. Well. I, mm, is that the one with the portal? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That that was really well done. That was really really well shot. Again, Michael Bay. Take note. That that should have been really complicated and difficult. And it was just it, it looked really simple on screen. But obviously, would have taken a huge amount of uh, a work around that. Yeah. But you knew what was going on there. So that was really good. That was really yeah. nicely done. I was a bit disappointed that I, I didn't really, I didn't recognise it was Omar Sire's um, <laughs> yeah. Bishop because yeah, yeah. I knew he was in it. Yeah. 
And then at the end, I saw Omar Sy. Hang on, yeah, he was it. Who was it? Oh, right, okay, it was the black guy. It did disappoint me how little screen time he got. I'm a big fan of Bishop. Mm. And yeah. uh, he wasn't in it really nearly enough, but I kind of knew he wasn't going to be anyway. Right. He was, yeah. you know, well, haven't all these, um, these characters signed up? I think I read the person who played Blink is, is signed up for five films. Yeah, but the thing is, when they sign them up for five films, that's entirely like the power's just in the studio's hands there. They don't have to bring them back for five films. No, no but it, it, impli- it implies that... There, might, there yeah. might be a plan, and if, and if they want to, then they can. Yeah. It's like... Exactly. Um, it's like um, Chris Evans appearing in Thor 2. That's one of his appearances. Isn't no, it, it didn't count. Didn't it? No. Oh, I was. Th- oh, I thought it did no, it count. count. Oh, right. I was going to say it's actually ah. like um, Sebastian Stan. He signed up for like nine films or something. Of course, yeah. But obviously yeah. they don't have to make nine films. And Samuel L. Jackson's got a huge amount, but he can just drop in and out of his Marvel, Marvel ones in various different guises as well. He's got the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. thrown into his. And... Yeah. yeah. I was just going to say, do you think the Sky TV advert counts? <laughs> um, no, I don't oh, think so. a- any, um, anyone else yeah. worried about the lack of Juggernaut and Vinnie Jones in this film? No, not really. <laughs> not at all. No. Not at all. Whole... Uh, do you know what I did? I missed Alan Cumming as Nightcrawler. I missed that because yeah. I like. I really like. I really like Alan Cumming. Full stop. I think he's great. And that. Yeah. But there's no way you could have fitted him in here. I was just like. Oh, but there were, been there were already scene. so many characters though. Yeah. You could have done really... right at the end. I suppose, yeah, you could have done it at the end. Yeah. Uh, which made me um, do a little... If, if you were in Epsom Odeon last Thursday and you heard someone squealing in delight when Jean Grey turned around, I'm really yeah. sorry, that was me. As you know what, someone <laughs> in my screening did, went, Oh my God, it's Jean! <laughs> I thought it was going to be some crappy like, look-alike thing and I thought, oh, she's not going to turn around. He's just yeah. going like, yeah. to fade out. She turned around and I was like, oh my yeah. God. How did, yeah, how did everyone react that? Dick Cyclops was back. Oh, and it's like, oh, right. Uh, absolute dick. And, uh, and the older beast as well. That, that made yeah. me feel... Was that, was that yeah. Kelsey Grammer? Was yeah. That Kelsey Grammer? Yeah. 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 Survived to the end or something. I'm sure I read that. Yeah. Uh, yeah so uh, I, I suppose the only other major thing for spoiler alert is really, so so basically the original trilogy it, it's not happened, like in, well, in terms of the yeah, timeline. Alternative timeline, yeah. aren't we? Yeah, the timeline is different, and only Wolverine knows what happened, and, well, and, I just and possibly the... Professor X a little bit because his mind went back a bit or something. I just took it as a massive fuck you to Brett Ratner, which is always. I'm happy with that. Just, you know, <laughs> fuck you. I, can I just say, I, I, I feel a little bit bad for Brett Ratner. I don't. Not because... <laughs> it wasn't his script, was no, it? No, no, it wasn't. He came in really late. He's just like, he's just like the He's become hand. a totem. But he, yeah, he's yeah. just a... a yeah. I think he's and a he's not exactly a, he's not exactly a, a brilliant director. No, <laughs> Again, he's very he, he's a He's the Peter Reed of... Kind of, <laughs> of directing, he's just because he's show. done it before, people think he can do it again. Kind of, he's one of those that just keeps getting jobs, and you go, "Why do you keep getting work?" Oh, it's because you've done it before, um, and that's Brett Ratner. And apparently, he's he's, he's actually working on Beverly Hills Cop reboots or something now. So, um, good luck I to Brett. That. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it is. It does kind of basically reset up the whole. Uh, the whole universe, doesn't it? Although my understanding is that X Men Apocalypse is still going to—it's going to be the the first class 
cast. Yeah. Um, in the set in the 80s. Uh, fighting, yeah, fighting against apocalypse. I'm really just. Right. I thought it was going to be Age of Apocalypse, which is a, a different story altogether. Um, right. But it's not. Age of Apocalypse is quite a, an epic X Men mm. classic, you know, involving another sort of alternate future story. Oh uh, no, I don't think they're doing that. I think. But they're, they're not doing that, are they? It is just X Men Apocalypse. Yeah, I think that would be too uh, too much, really. Yeah, and, and they could just go back in time again and retcon it all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's already got the four horsemen, um, whereas he would have to like recruit because he yeah. recruits Angel, doesn't Angel, he? Angel, yeah, yeah, that was Dark good. Angel. Oh, hang on, yeah, so that won't work. Yeah, oh well, goodness, don't know yeah. now. Oh, it's all no. gone back, don't know now. Gone back to the start, hasn't it? But he'd only be about ten. Although she she was dead by the time the events of Thingy happened. By the time they stop the assassination she's already dead isn't she oh wait she sorry i'm actually thinking about angel in the last day oh yeah. oh right sorry there's, yeah there's too no. many angels <laughs> yeah is that is that a completely different angel yeah from, angel uh, warren worthington i think his name is one of oh, the first right. one of the first x-men yeah oh i, I can't see because the woman she's... with wings from first class didn't they call her yeah angel she was called angel in the film yeah. but i can't remember what her name was she didn't uh, know you know in last stand this is why i get confused. in last stand they <laughs> use angel as in the guy with the wings and he's yeah. just right. pointless he just turns up at the end for the big fight and uh, that's it but it, you see his story as he tries to cut off his own wings in the bathroom he's that guy yeah um, okay yeah yeah who just sort of appears for a bit and then disappears again flies out no. the window that's yeah it. Yeah, I don't remember a lot of Last Stand. I'll be honest. <laughs> I, try, I, try I haven't watched it again. Yeah. <laughs> I, my, my overriding memory of Last Stand is still Vinnie Jones. That's how bad the film was. <laughs> I need a pee. <laughs> there was some good stuff with Vinnie Jones, though. I'm going to stick up for that bit a little. When he's fighting with Kitty Pride and they're going through all the walls and stuff, I thought there was some there was some decent act. Action scenes I, in the I didn't band. think he was. T- I didn't actually think he was a bad shout. It's just some of the uh, some of the lines he was required to deliver. Yeah, got yeah, on my nerves. Got, but then yeah. you can say that about. I think there's one about. There's one that Magneto does as well, where he lifts up uh, the bridge, a Golden Gate Bridge, mm. and he goes, "Oh, Charles always wanted to build bridges," and I actually groaned out <laughs> loud. So I was like, "No, yeah. that's not. That's not what you'd say. Your best friend that, died." Doesn't Ian McKellen kind of have the gravitas to go, I'm not saying that for fuck's sake. He he does sound, at some points in that film, he does look and sound bored. Yeah. Like, he's really in, you know fed what, up. I'm, I'm contractually obliged to this film, let's just get it over and yeah, done with. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and all I'd say is, um, the other, in uh, Days of Future Past, I kind of, I would have liked to have seen a bit more McKellen in that as well. It was mm. a little bit, yeah, uh, but uh, again, going back to what I said right at the beginning, it's not a kind of. It doesn't, in terms of the narrative, doesn't really span the whole decade into uh, the whole age. No. Uh, in terms of uh, its narrative, we kind of keep popping back to keep an eye on them, and then the, the the vast majority takes place in the 1970s. Yeah, and and that's exactly what I said to people when um when it first got announced, and they kind of ex- kept expanding the cast, expanding the cast, and everyone was like, oh, there's too many people in this, and I, and I said, well, no, because you're only going to get the the kind of the old ones or the mm. recent ones at the beginning and end, and then yeah. periodically through probably the film. You're not, you know. Not going to be the main I didn't character. even realise I didn't even see Rogue in it until I saw a name in the credits. I don't. <laughs> I saw. I saw, I saw. I saw right at the end. Yeah. And apparently she was after um, Kitty Pryde got stabbed. She was kind of nursing her. At, like apparently. Oh, I didn't even see uh, that. But I saw her. Yeah. In apparently the she she was she was one of the people kind of 
uh, but like loads of her stuff was cut. But she was one of the people kind of uh, nursing the wound after Kitty Pryde got stabbed. Never saw that. And the Sentinels really fucking cool, actually. Yeah. I just wanted to say that again. I, I don't know what they're like in the comic books, but I I did like the the cinematic version of them, and they were quite terrifying. They seemed yeah. quite prominent. I thought they were going to use Master Mold at some point. I thought just because it's Trask and you know you've got all these Sentinels and how they're being developed, I thought at some point they would have him, but they didn't. So no, I think the sen- I think the Sentinels are quite enough to be honest. They were yeah. Um, they yeah they were really brutal, and, and there were bits, especially the the later iteration, um, yeah. where they were kind of like. Uh, well, they explained it all with Mystique's uh, blood and everything, where they mm-hmm. were kind of adapting to the powers and stuff. That was just and basically unbeatable. That 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 gave you the peril. There yeah. was that that the, the X Men in the future had no way of stopping them. That 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 was that's your peril for the film there, and that was that was quite interesting in that they could have a good fight with them, but they were going to get beat every single time. Yeah. Uh, and that that was a nice that was quite a nice choice. Yeah, I thought that was taken. I thought it was brought across really really well. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that rounds off uh, spoiler alerts, uh, and that rounds off the failed critics podcast this week. So, thanks to everyone who's contributed. Thanks to everyone who's listened. We'll be back next week with James. What's up next week? Uh, next week we have. I'm so excited. It's a Tom Cruise sci-fi film. I'm so excited. <laughs> Edge of Tomorrow is out, and Tom Cruise sci-fi films are like, for me like Van Damme is for Owen. I'm, <laughs> I'm so excited about this film. Um, I, I don't know why, but I am. And there is another film out as well, which I can't remember now. Yeah, it's the um, um, Million Ways to Die in the West. Oh, yeah, that's why I can't remember it, because it's Seth MacFarlane's yeah. punchable face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You haven't even got a... uh, and I've already seen Peter Bradshaw, uh, the man from The Guardian who called me a snob because I didn't like Ted, has said that he's looking forward to A Million De- Ways to Die in the West because people are saying they don't like it. What a contrary <laughs> So I'll probably like it. I'm going to get into another argument with him on Twitter again this week, I've decided. We'll look out for that, definitely. Yeah. The return. <laughs> All right, um, yeah, so that's all for this week. Join us next week for that. Yeah. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. James, Kira Knightley. It's not Kira Knightley. Okay, okay. Okay. So, in 2007, they were in a film called And When Did You Last See Your Father? Just trying to think who was in Prime James, uh, Ma- uh, Matthew McFadden. No. Okay. It's the two people I know from Prime Lab remake of Prime Prejudice. No, Steve. No. Yeah. Hasn't Colin Firth been in every kind of incarnation of Pride and Prejudice ever? <laughs> he has, but it's not him. He's not Stan Lee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just has a cameo role in every single version. Uh, no, it's not him. No. Um, in 2009, they were in a film called The Greatest. And these have been quite tricky, admittedly. It'll get a bit easier now. Okay. Okay, I'll move on. 2009, they were in Public Enemies. Um, James. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, Gerard Butler. 
No, you know, no, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of that other that's one that's not quite Public Enemies. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Which one was Public Enemies? I can't remember. I no, carry on. Okay. <clears throat> in 2010, they were in Wall Street. Money never sleeps. Steve. Yeah. Was it Shire the Beef? It was a choice. Yeah, yeah, I was just saying. It's not Marion Cotillard, is it? It's not, no. You would have got that straight away, I imagine, if I'd have picked her. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay, it's going to... Stop... I, I know which one Public Enemies is now. I've, I've, I've got my head right now. <laughs> I, I still don't. Okay. <laughs> don't tell him. Okay. Um, I'm going to jump around with the timelines now. I'm not doing it in chronological order okay. anymore. So 2009, they were in an education. Oh, Jesus. Um, no, no. No. In 2010, they were in Never Let Me Go. And it's not Kira Knightley. Yeah, no, no. Uh, um, James. Yeah. Uh, Carrie Mulligan. It is Carrie Mulligan. Jimmy, thank fuck for that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I didn't realise she'd done so much. If you just said um, Doctor Who at the beginning, I would have been fucking sorted. <laughs> Uh, um, wow, okay. 2-1. Oh, and I, only, I didn't pick her because she's in any films this week. I just picked her because apparently it's her birthday today, according to Wayne. Oh, happy birthday, Carrie Mulligan. Yes, and she's Lovely. an actress anyway. So, there you go. That was quite a difficult one for me. I normally pick her. Yeah. Steve, the public enemies away. is that um, that one with Johnny Depp yes. and Marion Cotillard. I, thought Johnny, Bear, De- I thought Johnny Depp was in that. I just couldn't think of it. Well, it was. But you, you definitely knew he wasn't in Pride and Prejudice, so that was good you didn't go down the Johnny Depp route. <laughs> well, okay, so on to, <laughs> on to the news now. Lots of news this week. Yeah, but, huge amount uh, of news. All, all involving Disney, by the sounds of it, at, at some level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, pick up there, Steve. Yeah. I'm good at this. I do, I do my research. <laughs> he's in charge. <laughs> uh, so, let's start off with, I suppose, uh, the big news that Edgar Wright has left the Ant-Man movie project and the kind of next film, I suppose, after Avengers 2 is released, the kind of next new character they're introducing. Edgar Wright has been involved in this for a long time and he is he has left. Mm. Kind of apparently by mutual consent, but yeah, it's a weird... I, I don't think he's been pushed, put it that way. It's, it's a really odd one, this, because they kind of put it out at the weekend, Memorial Day weekend in the US, so they kind of desperately didn't really want it to be a news story. But clearly it was going to be a massive news story because it's due to be released in about a year. Um, and he's been developing it since 2006, isn't 2005. it? 2005, he's been on it for nearly 2005. a decade. Yeah, it, it pre... Before even yeah. Iron Man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it predates Marvel even being a studio. Yeah. Um, it's really... And you know, you've heard of various... Kevin Feig say that Edgar Wright is the reason we're doing Ant-Man. Um, and I did see today, the Hollywood Reporter has apparently said that um, they were about to kind of halt production on it and Kevin Feig had ordered a rewrite and he'd handed it to someone not connected to Joe Cornish or uh, Edgar Wright. And for that reason, Edgar Wright's just finally had enough and walked or something. I'm really disappointed. from a, Regardless of whose fault it is, I think we've been denied... A, a great film. Yeah, put it that. I agree. Um, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a massive fan of Ant Man. I do know people who are, um, mm. and I know that it, from from the sounds of it, they weren't going with the original Ant Man. 
Um, mm. So a lot of people were kind of disappointed with that. But I think Edgar Wright is a really fun director. I think Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is a really underrated film. And I think it would have really suited his style perfectly, to be honest. Um, but at the same time, you know, uh, Marvel Studios isn't just like a little independent knocking stuff out for the sake of it. They've got this really tight <laughs> schedule. They've got a mm. they've got a schedule that goes to twenty twenty eight or something ridiculous. Yeah. So if if you know things aren't happening as quickly and it's meant to be coming out next June, you know, obviously yeah. <laughs> something's going to be done. It's not like there's going to be a lot of pre production, a post production, mm. sorry, on a on a film about a guy who goes down to the size of an ant. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, it, it, does, it does seem really... And what's quite interesting is, like you say, usually you, we'd go, oh, you know, studio interference, executive interference. But to be fair to Marvel, they have given some quite... Um, I don't, not control freakish. Well, maybe that is the right word. I don't, is that even a word? I don't know. But some, some directors who do like to own their own vision... Uh, and they've given them their chance, and they seem quite happy. You know, Joss Whedon is really happy in, in the Marvel Universe, by the looks of it. James Gunn cannot stop talking about how great Marvel have been, and he comes from the uh, trauma background. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and it was quite interesting to see quite a nice heartfelt message from James Gunn on his Facebook page. I don't know if you guys read yeah. it. Um, basically saying it was just like two people that he really loves kind of breaking up. Uh, and it's no one's fault, and it's a real shame that it just didn't work out, and he still loves them both, and I thought that was quite sweet. And then Joss Whedon kind of Instagrammed a picture of himself holding a mint Cornetto, which I thought was, was <laughs> quite a nice little touch as well, kind of a little bit of solidarity there. Um, I, I suppose the, the only thing you can probably think here, yeah, the most likely situation is Edgar Wright was working on it before there was ever a, an MCU, and Kevin Feig wants to, put, wants to make it part of a, a broader canvas. And maybe that just didn't quite fit in with Edgar Wright's vision. That, that seems to be the most likely reason for because I, I can't imagine he ordered rewrites of the script just because it was bad. But surely he would have Edgar Wright would have known what, years and years ago, and all the way like up until recently that his film was going to fall into part of. It wasn't going to be some kind of standalone separate film. It's going to be part of the the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So surely he knew that at some point he was going to have to kind of insert something into his script or into his film that made it you know fit in with everything else i don't know i think i think it's all just speculation at the moment isn't it and mm. i'm sure we'll hear the full story in in due course um but i do i have heard a lot of people saying that now they feel like the marvel uh marvel films being put into basically safe pairs of hands and i don't feel that's true at all the next mm. film has a fucking talking raccoon in it for crying out loud yeah and yeah it comes from james gunn director director Slither. Goes super <laughs> <laughs> so no no you exactly do we I, know if um joe safe hats i'm sorry i was just gonna say there have been a few uh, um, guy who did game of thrones took over it last minute well almost last minute for thor 2 yes, um and obviously um joe russo and can't remember the other guy. The guys from Community. Is it so brothers? Yes, the guys <laughs> from Community. You know, kind of given their first big break with a big budget film for Captain America 2. Yeah, uh, and let's be honest, Joss Whedon, before he directed Avengers, was was really popular on TV, but really the only... Although he was getting cancelled on TV still. Dollhouse got cancelled, yeah. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so, yeah, Buffy, no, but apart from that, on the big screen, really not very... You know, Serenity and the original 
Buffy, but I don't think he directed that. I'm not sure. I can't remember. No, I think he just wrote that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you know, he hadn't really done a lot, and he's and he gave him the third biggest uh, selling film of all time. So you know. But yeah, um, it's a shame. Does anyone know if Joe Cornish has left the production as well? Um, no one seems to know anything else because there's also uh, you know people are thinking about. Edgar Wright's cinematographer probably has left as well, um, and his producer possibly will do as well. Uh, but no one knows. Uh, the fact is, I think it doesn't, at this stage now, maybe it doesn't really matter if he's left the project or not. He's written a script, it's been rewritten, he'll get a screen credit, but I very much doubt he'll be involved in the in it going forward. You don't think he'll be, um, be up for director? Because I'm sure he would love to do it, because it's you know, a project he's been working on for as long as Edgar Wright has. Um, and he yeah. has got a bit of um, credit to his name with yeah. Attack the Block. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. unless he uh, unless he feels exactly the same as Edgar Wright. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there, there is that. There is that issue. And I, I do. I've heard he's been sounded out about Star Wars. Um, in, about some Star Wars involvement. God, well. that would be amazing. Uh-huh. Which would be awesome. Imagine. Yeah, so it'd all be toys, wouldn't it? To do and it and the toys. thing is, uh, <laughs> that would be brilliant. Yeah. Um, apparently they have a director in place already it's just they ha- they're they not announcing it which also makes me think they've probably been sending out this director already maybe they knew this was coming and oh I don't know yeah. it just, it's a bit of a shame it, it is a shame and also with Drew Goddard leaving the Netflix um, Daredevil mm. series as well the same weekend and I really like Drew Goddard's work he did the he did some script work for Iron Man 3 um, directed and co-wrote uh, Cabin in the Woods really liked his stuff I don't know much about Daredevil but I was going to watch it because of one of the reasons was because of him and that that also seems a bit of a shame but it, he's got a reason hasn't he he's gone to work on the Sinister Six is that right? Has he? Yeah apparently he's gone to he's gone to focus on is it the Sinister Six the Spider-Man yeah. spin yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he's gone to focus on that so he's di- he's writing and directing that and so he's left to focus fully on that Well that's uh, that's swimming against the tide isn't it? Yeah which is interesting <laughs> Um, so yeah, Marvel. What's going on there? Um, <laughs> and then Steve, what well, else have we got Disney related uh, uh, then? One of Disney's other big franchises, other big arms. Uh, it's been announced that Gareth Edwards is going to be directing, taking the helm of the first standalone Star Wars film. So obviously we've got the original trilogy, you've got the prequel trilogy, you've got the new trilogy that J.J. Abrams is taking control of. Um, but this was kind of announced when, when. Um, Disney took over, bought the rights to, to everything Star Wars, that they would be releasing standalone films. Um, and Gareth Edwards is going to be doing the first one, although there's not really any kind of concrete information about what, um, what it's going to be about. Um, but, you know... It, Please be Boba Fett. But it's, Please be Boba but, it, it, but it's kind of, you know, starting what they've done with Marvel, you know, creating a huge... Obviously, Star Wars is based in space, so it is in the universe. But, you know, a huge cinematic universe in Star Wars... They've already got, you know, they've already they've already made the kind of six series of the Clone Wars TV series, and they've got this Rebels um, cartoon animated program coming out soon as well. But it looks like they're going to be going down the same route they have done with Marvel as they uh, they are with Star Wars. Well, and if you're really cynical, um, it means that they're, you know, they've decided to have a film which makes a half billion pound dollar profit every year rather than every two years as well, because <laughs> that's basically what's going. Uh, they they can. Disney are very clever here. They have bought franchises which basically write their own checks. Um, will we get a bit sick of it? Well, they get the, there'll be a honeymoon period, won't there? And the first few will definitely make at least a billion dollars. 
after that though they'll they'll have to make sure there is they can't just look at marvel and go it's dead easy because marvel have worked really hard to get to the situation that they're in where all of their films make guaranteed profits that didn't just happen by accident they took some risks and yeah, as long as they do take some risks, I think they'll be fine. I mean, the thing is, with, with Star Wars, you could you could have a film based around some minor character you saw in the in the cantina in Mos Eisley, and you can make a whole film around them, and it's tentatively linked to Star Wars, and it could be brilliant. It could also be shit, but yeah. You know. Well, knowing yeah. Gareth Edwards, it's probably just going to be two boring pricks travelling across a <laughs> with thirty seconds of monster at the end. Yeah. yeah, and and I just want to say, I just want to say now, just in case Hollywood is listening, to, I know they listen to this. When Steve emailed this, I thought he meant Gareth Evans, and I just picked the <laughs> Boba Fett film with Eco Oasis in it. Now that make it happen, that my friends has to happen. If anyone from Hollywood is listening, here's my idea for something. Star- <laughs> here, here's my, is it yeah, Die Hard, with Luke Skywalker? And we've got all these podcasts where my ideas come out back catalogue, so we can always prove that these are my ideas. But yeah. I want. Rogue Squadron, who you know, for, flew the X-wings and everything, flew up the Death Stars. I want a Band of Brothers style program based on them, and that's and that's it. And that's a winner. That's a ratings winner. Tell me what's wrong with that. You're laughing, but tell me what's wrong with it. I, I, I like the fact that yeah, you do realise Band of Brothers was was real. Well, that was based on real. Stories. Well, yeah, but you can have this. And there was a lot. Same with Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> Just in a galaxy. A lot of times go far, we, far we, away. We, but we said previously, we said previously, we, you know, we'd like a, a World War Z style TV program, yeah, like in a band of brothers style. Well, I want a Rogue Squadron yeah. one, and that's okay. so Hollywood. Um, just write me a check for the idea, yeah, and we we'll, okay. and we'll go. Do you think that's how real Hollywood pitches start? Yeah, I like Band of Brothers. I'd... Do that again. Yeah, that is how Adam Sandler films yeah. are pitched. I swear, Can... it's just someone drunk. On a podcast, going, wouldn't it be funny if Adam Sandler did this? Yes. No, we know we'll Adam give, Sandler we'll films are pitched by um, Eric Cartman dresses awesome. That's it. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> right. Um, and then finally, Steve. Yes, finally, um, Disney Pixar have announced his first original kind of idea that's not a sequel or prequel or anything in a long time. Since Brave, yeah. to be fair. Although we kind of forget Brave sometimes because it didn't quite feel like Pixar. But yeah, um, Inside Out, um, which I'm currently just Googling again because I've switched laptops and all my tabs have gone and everything. Uh, and now all I can find is the BBC programme Inside Out. Fuck's sake. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been announced for next year. I quite like the sound of this, actually. And it's directed by um, Peter Doctorow, who did Up. So there's there's a promising uh, thing. It's new and it's based on uh, a kind of original idea, which is a, a young girl um, is like everyone else, ruled by her emotions, as it says somewhere in the uh, uh, stuff on Variety, which I can't. Uh, article would display in 15 seconds. I'm just going to make it up. Um, it's got Amy Poehler in, uh, which made me quite excited because uh, I do love Amy Poehler. Yeah, here we go. About a little girl. Uh, growing up can be a bumpy road, it's no exception for Riley. Uh, uprooted, uh, like all of us, Riley is guided by her emotions, um, and these emotions live in headquarters. It reminds me a little bit of the numbskulls from um, either Beano or Dandy. Am I just showing my age there? Yes. No one else remember the numbskulls? No. Uh, I, no I, people, yes, I live do. inside a person who controls <clears throat> this there's people inside you controlling you. And uh, um, Anyway, uh, Pixar doing something original. Uh, I think that's great, and I like the look of the cast, I like the look of the idea, and it's out next year, um, it's out in June 2015, so 
look forward to that. And just very, very finally, I forgot to tell you this, Steve, as well. Um, the the other thing is Quentin Tarantino's Hateful Eight is now back on after he's got over his little hissy fit about the script being released online. He's decided he's going to start shooting it in November. So we finally get to see The Hateful Eight, which is nice. I wonder if he's going to have the people who did the read-through uh, Apparently, ago. yes, it is. They're, they're, they're the cast. Uh, oh, that's okay. what I'm reading, is that the people at the read... He's got... Uh, I'm assuming he's asked one of them to sack whichever agent leaked the script or something like that, but he seems to... Uh, which means we get um, Carl... I'm, I've lost my mind today. Carl... What, is it Carl? Weathers? Oh, no. <laughs> that <laughs> Be peace. Um, no, Time is right. Kurt, Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. That's what I'm looking for. Kurt Russell, Bruce Dern um, in kind of grizzled. Uh, apparently, it's quite like a stage play. Um, Tarantino Western script again. I'm very excited. Yes. Uh, so that's all for the news, all for part one. After break, we'll have what we've been watching. I say, time for what we've been watching then. Uh, James, why don't you start us off? Uh, yeah, so I finally got round to watching a film that loads of people recommended to me towards the end of last year, including, uh, I will name check him, the Crazy Munchkin on the Football 365 forum. Uh, it got a number of votes in our end of year poll, and I think if more people had seen it, it would have got a lot more votes. It certainly would have got mine. It's a film called Short Term 12, which stars Brie Larson um, and John Gallagher Jr. Um, John Gallagher Jr. I've seen recently in Newsroom. Um it is set in a kind of short-term foster care uh, establishment in America. It's an American indie film, and it is a kind of almost... It feels docudrama in places, mm. but it is about um, the young people and the kind of... The young mentors, they're not actually counsellors, they're not therapists, but they are young people who are there to keep um, uh, the residents kind of safe and in check, basically. Um Really, really interesting film. Uh, it's written and directed by uh, someone called Destin Daniel Cretton, who spent some time working in that kind of environment himself. And what I will say, just from the start, two films it really reminded me of. One of them was Starred Up from earlier this year, The Prison Drama, uh, which was also written by someone who worked in that kind of institution as well. Uh, and also the Dardenne's film from a couple of years ago, The Kid with a Bike, uh, which was about uh, foster care. Um, so... Quite often, I, I, I like this type of film. What I will say is this type of film was pretty much made for me. This film is exactly the type of film I really enjoy because, um, A, it's an area that I kind of spend some time in in terms of my professional life anyway, uh, in around child protection, that kind of thing. Uh, but also, it's just a really, really well-made, small, intimate drama um, about normal people. And wonderfully acted um especially i'd say by the 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 young residents uh, of the institution all of whom came from open casting um and brie larson though uh who plays grace who is a girl who has suffered from abuse herself and is now in this position of mentoring other young people a really really quite intense quite subtle performance from her as well and i don't remember seeing her in much i saw her in um don john where she basically didn't say a word until the last kind of few reels um which was a shame because what else has she been in uh, someone can she someone in, fill me in because she in scott pilgrim she was she was, she was in scott pilgrim yes band. that's it yes yeah. mm. thanks for that yes no that's that's uh yeah I, i've completely forgotten about that um but yeah uh I, I know, Owen, you've seen it as well. Um, 
I know it kind of there's a bit of a theme in some of the films that we've seen uh, this week, which is quite interesting. But what what were your thoughts on this one? I, I liked it. I thought it was really good. Um, hmm. That's a very general term to say it's very good but it is it's very good everything about it is good the way it's made is good um the script is good uh like you said it feels like a real thing you know that you can believe that these people aren't just characters in a yeah. story you know that, that there's there's some reality some basis in reality yeah, and, and you people. could you could tell there's the because um, one of the nice bits of it is a few points the the staff are sharing anecdotes for example you know their experience mm-hmm. they don't see the experience but they're sharing the anecdotes and a they felt you know really truthful they were really well written some of them very funny but b you got the impression that actually those are real things that happened or mm-hmm. happened around the writer director and he's kind of used that. Uh, to, uh, as, his, as his muse for this film I do like the fact that a film like this I think can sometimes be far more powerful than a, a documentary which shows you the actual reality of somewhere like this because you can have this you, well you can cheat you can you can get people to tell you things that they wouldn't normally tell you if it was a documentary you can have um, episodes of drama you can push things forward and uh, yeah all, all I would say is it just—I thought it was a very, very powerful film. I really, really enjoyed it. Although I did hear when we had a chat beforehand, you said it felt a little bit American. It's that I've got a couple of problems with it. Yeah. I mean, I've said it's very well directed, and it mm-hmm. is. I think there's some really emotional bits in there that it captures perfectly. Um, but the stuff around like the shaky cam—I can't understand why a film like this would have shaky cam all the way through. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, aside from that, yes, the the tone of it is a little, maybe I'm being really harsh, a little too sentimental. Yeah. Um, and it's that kind of. I'd call it. I call it hopeful. Yeah, it's very optimistic. <laughs> which you, you, it's very if you. Uh, what I would say, I like I say, it felt a bit like the kid with the bike for me. It felt quite European in places. But you're right. If it was, if it had been a French film or a Belgian film, it may have ended on a darker note. Yeah. It may have had that kind of more introspective, see, life is really shit type message <laughs> that a lot of European I, cinema seems to really revel in. I don't think it was even the fact that it was missing a, 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 no. like, a horrible ending yeah. to make it seem American. I just think even the bits in the film that were quite distressing were still, there was still a look at, oh, yeah, but, you know, because of this, this has happened. Uh, you know, there's still quite a like chirpy feel to some of it, which seems bizarre to say when you've got kids in there talking about suicide and things that have happened to them. And but it, th- there's something there that it didn't annoy me. I just mm. it meant I couldn't quite connect to it. I think I'm quite a uh, bit of miserable old man, really. Yeah, and uh, yeah, a film like this, that was the way you <laughs> don't even like Star Wars. Uh, but, um, but a film like this, I can see that. I think I just I thinking about that now maybe possibly the reason for that is because it was written and directed by someone who's kind of been yeah. in that situation and maybe you have to have that kind of well you know bad things lead to better things because if you don't you probably would would end up in a really really bad psychological place so maybe that maybe it comes from being from that world themselves i don't know uh that they felt they needed a 
that they needed that positivity. But I, I, I and like you say, you can't argue with the the performances and uh, uh, the script. And yeah, a really really enjoyable film. I do. I also believe it's on US Netflix if you've got access to US Netflix. So it's definitely worth ninety minutes of your time. Can I ask you a question about it, Dave? <laughs> There's a ca- there's a, a character in it, Nate, who's like the trainee guy. Yes. Uh, played by Rami Malek. And yeah. at one point in the film, he gives a kid a toy. Did yes. that scene kind of irk you a little bit? It got to me a little bit, I think. I was really annoyed when he did that. And mm. I thought I couldn't, partly because I thought, well, you know, that's the character's just a bit stupid. Well, not stupid, just inexperienced, doesn't realise what he's doing. Yeah. Um, are, are we meant to find that scene, do you think, irksome? Or is it just that, you know, you think, oh, well, you know, he's doing his best. He's doing what he thinks is right. I mean, how did you react to that scene? The, I reacted to that in on that more of that second thing. Uh, you know, it's it's someone who's learning um, what it is to be there. Because he, he does make a huge amount of mistakes. Uh, and they're not... They're, they're not because he's a bad person no. it's just because it's a very very difficult situation for a young person to be in i think so i, I yeah for me it was just like he hasn't understood the character hasn't understood the situation and hasn't kind of reacted in the right way but that's that's just how i felt yeah i kind of and I, I was struggling to place him the entire film and i've just seen now he was in need for speed so there we go <laughs> he, I, I remember i remember him from need for speed now um he yeah yeah yeah, I saw. That, that I, me. I, yeah, I, I saw. I couldn't recognise what I'd seen him in, but it turns out like he was in the old boy remake. But uh, ah, I can't, right, still can't yeah. remember him from that. I just know his face. Um, but yeah, no, that particular scene. I know it's a strange thing to pick out in a film like that, but mm. that just one particular bit. I couldn't understand the point of it and what no. you were meant to, how you were meant to react. So yeah, yeah. no, it's, it, it, it's it's far from a polished film. Um, but it, it's a, a lovely rough piece of work, which oh, yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, shows shows good promise. Yeah, it's a very good film. Okay, so oh, which film are you reviewing? Uh, I well, okay, there was a film that came out last year that also garnered quite a lot of praise from people, critics particularly, uh, particularly, and I think in fact um, we even talked about it ourselves on the pod when it was nominated for a best British film at the BAFTAs. Yeah, none of us had seen none it. None of us had seen so it. So finger on the pulse. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and because th- these types of films don't get shown near us in the provinces, do they? That's right. Yeah. Bloody well, Carol <laughs> laughing it up down in London. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, yeah, of course I'm talking about the debut feature film of uh, an already successful director, Cleo Barnard, uh, and that is The Selfish Giant. Um, in fact, I do remember when we were last talking about it and we were describing it as a shock to see it nominated alongside films like, you know, Gravity, Philomena and Rush and that sort of thing. Um, and all I really knew about it at the time was what I read, which was that it was a story that revolves around a young kid in Bradford who kind of nicks metal and sells it to a scrapyard. Um, and going in, that is basically all you need to know about the events um, of the plot. It does. It delves in a lot deeper uh, into a look at a British working class family up north. Um, but, you know, it's how this, this 13-year-old boy with uh, behavioural problems called Arbor, uh, who's played by a young kid called Connor Chapman, who played very well by him, actually, very, very impressive performance, um, and his friend Swifty, who is played by a guy called Sean Thomas, who is also very good. It's about how they live and how they get caught up in this 
this like crime racket. Um, I want to say it's a crime racket. It, that kind of glamorizes it a little bit. <laughs> uh, it's not. They just steal, steal scrap metal and copper wiring, and um, it's this little kind of syndicate type thing they get caught up in at the same time. Um, but it's from the moment you first see Arba um, as he kind of screams uncontrollably underneath his bed. He's kicking, screaming, swearing his head off um, before his mate Swifty, who just pop, pokes his head underneath and calls him a head case. And you kind of instantly know at that point, you know, they're, they're best mates, you know, and they're going to get up to a kind of mischief and you're going to look into the film and think, why are they doing the things they do? And... What kind of backgrounds are they from, and is this kind of acceptable for them to do? And it's all that kind of thing about about youth, really. Um, and I'm going to use the term because it also popped up in short term twelve, the underprivileged youth, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and what what that means. Um, and yeah, but I think at the same time, it's just kind of it's a very sweet look at friendship between two kids, um, and kind of like a journey and adventure of sorts that that, that they go on. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, it's, it's about these two people. It's whether you warm to them or not, these two kids, um, and their outlook on life, how they look out for each other, um, and how they look out for the people in their lives and show them love in the only way they know how. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's also, as you would expect, a very kind of tragic story, as they so often are in these kinds of films. Um, <laughs> it doesn't exactly end on a happy note, should we put it that way. There's no uplifting moment towards the end like you get in Short Term 12. Um, but it's still a completely absorbing drama. Um, and it does deal with similar themes to Short Term 12 as well. In, in the, you know, the, the underprivileged youth. Um, but young people who come from broken homes um, and the people around them and the influences and, you know, this nature versus nurture thing, how much of it is... Uh, the environment that causes Arbor to behave the way he does, how much of it is, you know, him skipping on his medication and stuff. But I instantly connected to the selfish giant, whereas short term 12, I found a little bit too, um, I don't know, maybe unrelatable, I guess. Not that I can relate. I didn't grow up in the same position as these two kids. But, you know, I knew people at school who were who were like Arbor and Swifty. You know, I knew kids who were called pikeys and scruffs and were beaten up. And, mm. you know, they came from the rough estate, wore cheap, dirty, ripped clothes that didn't fit and they couldn't stay focused in class, all that kind of thing. You know, I grew up around these kinds of people. Um, and it's I still feel like the outsider looking in and it's perhaps a, an, an element of voyeurism. You know, you're looking at these these kids' lives and what they go through in a in a, from a safe position, um, and I think that's that's kind of what makes it so intriguing and makes you feel a little bit dirty about it as well. You know, um, but yeah, I mean, there's no sentimental stuff here really. Um, anything that that is quite nice about the film feels genuine. It's not a forced sentimentality. Um, not that I'm saying short term twelve has that either. I'm just saying you know that's that's kind of it. It has um, sentimental stuff in, very lightly done, I think. So, film that I am reviewing is a film from last year uh, called How I Live Now, uh, set in um, in in England, um, based on a book of the same name, and it's takes place during um, a kind of, it's never quite made clear, but a kind of terrorist attack or uh, attack on London, nuclear attack. And it's about um, 
a family, um, a, a brother, two sisters, and their cousin from America, and and the way they get split up um, during this conflict, and the way they try and find each other again, and what they go through. Um, I think Owen might have seen this when it came out. It was made in conjunction with film four, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't go much on it. I quite usually quite like. Um, it's not end. Of, it's not post-apocalyptic. But it's kind of end of the world, kind of that kind of genre, yeah. that kind of feel. So I usually like films like that. This one, I don't. I didn't really like any of the characters. And as soon as two of the cousins started shagging each other, I kind of lost all respect for it. Yeah, I just, I just thought you thought you thought their first cousins as well, as far as I know, they're not like distant fourth cousins. You know, their kids are going to have webbed hands. Webbed <laughs> And, it, and I just thought, why are you introducing... You can make the film just as good as their cousins who have got to be quite good mates and they got to try and find each other again because they don't know anything else and she's from America, she's got another family in England, all that. But you don't need to have them shagging each other. It's ridiculous. Um, but no, I don't particularly like any of the kind of... The characters in it, they, they irritate me, all of them. Ir- just irritating. From the, from the little girl who's just an irritating little shit to to the American girl who's just a irritating older shit to to the to the older boy who thinks he knows everything and can talk to animals. Just doesn't wear in. Um I don't really get any suspense in the film either. There's, I don't feel tense suspense. Even when they're going through the worst of it, even when you're kind of seeing the brief glimpses you get of the of the worst of humanity when civilization is starting to fall apart. Still don't feel any suspense, still don't feel kind of any emotion towards anything that's going on. It just kind of everything just kind of happens and plods along, and then it, it finishes. And you've got just there's no tension, no drama, no you know relation to any of the characters, no desire to see any of the characters succeed in their journey. It just all kind of happens, and then it's instantly forgettable. I yeah, kind of agree. I guess. I mean, I did end up liking it. Um... I, I guess partly because it was better than I expected it to be. I, th- I thought from the when I saw the trailer, it looked like a typical kind of teen lit adaptation, you know, with like these star-crossed lovers and finding yeah. their way back to each other and star-crossed like, cousins, yeah, star-crossed cousins. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I kind of ended up liking it. I like dystopian stuff as well. Um, you know, it's the kind of thing I I, I generally get drawn to. Um, but yeah, there's a bit too much weird stuff in it. You know the there's the whole, like, the voices in her head, what are they? Is there some yeah. point to those? No, and never it's... really explained if she's just mad or if she's actually got some kind of insightful reason for these voices being in her head that kind of tell her what to do. Exactly. And is her cousin Animal Man? Can he talk to animals? Can it all, you know, what is going on with that? What, yeah, what... he goes and whispers to some cows at one point and they'll get out of the way and you kind of think, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is, he, is he Dr. Doolittle or is it just some kind of, well, I don't know, it's just... Cousins getting together and cow whispering. This, this does sound like my my childhood endeavour. <laughs> I think I might have to watch this. Well, the cousin stuff, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, yeah, but there was there were bits. Dystopian future. <laughs> That's what my childhood endeavour was like. Yeah, but there were um, there were bits in it that I did like. I thought the uh, there's a scene that was from the trailer, original uh, theatrical trailer, where the bomb goes off in London, and it was a bit crap. I, th- I can't remember what the, the band that was playing over it, but it was sort of a U2 kind of moment. But in the film itself, it is. I thought that was quite harrowing. I thought that was a really good scene. Um, 
I don't know. Did you not uh, even like that bit? Is that bit too much for you as well, or not really? I just didn't. I can't even remember seeing too much of that. I just thought they kind of saw it on the television. I mean, I was watching this on Netflix, so they were kind of watching the bomb go off on the telly on some kind of news report. I can't remember them seeing it, at, you know, an actual kind of a scene cutting to it, or am I getting this completely wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Is that when you went to make a cup of tea, Steve? Possibly. Or, or, it, <laughs> but, no, uh, anyway, no, it just I just didn't get on with the film at all. Um... Fair enough. <laughs> it, it was one I wanted to like. I really wanted to like it. I just didn't. You've never been to Devon, that's why. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I might watch this. I might bring back some lovely memories. Drinking cider. Of you and your favourite cousin. Yeah. <laughs> I, do you know what, actually, true story, um, my first girlfriend at secondary school, her parents were cousins. Um, and so she was, her, she was their daughter, but also their second cousin. Did she have one... There you go. Uh, no, no, she had Ex- lovely feet. excellent swimmer. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know? Yeah, no, she was she was fine. She was she was a she's too good for me. One, to be one honest, leg so. one leg shorter than the other and three eyes. But <laughs> you know what though? If it is kind of like the end of the world and your cousin Saoirse Ronan, I mean, wouldn't you? The only woman. Mm. I'm not saying no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not saying no. I'm not yeah. saying. I, I'm a Devon boy. I'm, so. I'm not saying <laughs> anything, and we're going to swim through. <laughs> Swiftly move on to Carol's What We've Been Watching. Um, yeah, so over the weekend I watched a film on Netflix, Netflix called The Kids Were Alright. I think it's 2010. Um, no, it sounds like there could be some interest in that one. Uh, well, no. It's on the, on the title. <laughs> uh, no, there's no, well, as far as I can tell, there's no incest. Um, if there is a potential for incest, though. Um, it's about um, a couple who have uh, two children and uh, the, the two teenage children decide to find uh, their biological father, their sperm donor. Um, because the uh, the couple are lesbians, so obviously needs a sperm donor donor to complete the process there. Um, and it's just a really nice film. I don't know whether any of you guys have seen it. Have you, have you seen I've not. It? No, no, I'm sure I've heard of it, but no, I've not seen it. I remember it being because it was at Sundance. I think it was 2010, mm. and it was a massive hit. Mm. Um, it's it's a really nice film. It, it's uh, got it stars Annette Bening, um, Julianne Moore, and Mark Ruffalo, and also um, the girl's name who I cannot pronounce. I think Mia was it Chelska? Yeah, that yeah. one. Oh, from Stoker and. Yes. Uh, and yeah, 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 so yeah, yeah. And also the um, whiny emo boy from The Hunger Games. Um, so you know, oh, what the 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 main one? The main, know, yeah, the main yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, he's actually all right in this. Um, okay. So it's it's just a really nice little film. So they they go off and find their um, biological father, and it's just obviously he hasn't been involved. Um, and the first he knows is when when they call him up and say that they want to meet up. Um, it's just a really nice little film. It felt very naturalistic, um, and there are some really kind of heartwarming moments. Um, Obviously, the, the biological father kind of gets closer to uh, to the kids as it goes on, um, and then things start to go horribly wrong because uh, of, you know they never really thought about having this dynamic in the family. It's just been the four of them, and then suddenly this kind of interloper comes along. Um, but it's really nice, and there's a really nice uh, little speech at the end that Julianne Moore's character gives. I'm not going to give it away because it will ruin the whole film, um, but it's just really 
kind of heartwarming and also very truthful. If you've been in a long-term relationship or if you're married, it will definitely hit home. Um, and I just really enjoyed spending time with the characters, and it was um, heartily recommended, definitely. Is that UK Netflix it's on, Carol? Uh, I think it was. Yeah, okay, cool. It, it does sound, you said it was a big hit at Sundance, and it does sound like a kind of an archetypal Sundance film. It was was there any arcade fire at any point or anything <laughs> like that? It sound, yeah, Julianne Moore, Annette Benning as kind of lesbian, it sounds very, very Sundance. But also, no, I, I've, I've also heard good things, and I have been meaning to get around to watching it, so that's another recommendation in its favour. I will we'll definitely get around to that. Yeah, definitely. There, there wasn't any arcade file I remember, but I do distinctly remember yeah. an Aha Her poster on someone's... Oh, nice. So, you know, ke- nice. keeping with the hipster vibe there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's all for what you've been watching then. Uh, after this quick break, we will be reviewing uh, X-Men Days of Future Past. And Maleficent. And, yeah, that as well. <laughs> <laughs> you just didn't want to say it, did you, Steve? Before we get on to the main review of X-Men Days of Future Past, James went to see another film and is going to waste our time talking about it. He went to see Maleficent. Yeah, well done, yes. <laughs> Oh, it's all downhill from here. Here's a clip. Does it on the night. Here's a clip. Well, well. <laughs> what a glittering assemblage, King Stefan. Royalty, nobility, the gentry, and... (laughs) How quaint. Even the rebel. I must say, I really felt quite distressed at not receiving an invitation. You're not welcome here. <laughs> oh dear. What an awkward situation. That was a clip then of Maleficent starring Angeline Jolie. James, tell us all about this one, please. Okay, so Maleficent is um Disney's next idea in terms of uh creating an origin story to explain why a famous wicked character turned out to be wicked so last year we had Oz the Great and Powerful which did you know tried to kind of come up with an origin story and try to explain and make give us a more sympathetic version of the Wicked Witch of the West um, or the East the West I think um, and which kind of in itself was probably inspired quite a lot by the very very successful and I have to say rather fabulous uh, stage musical Wicked I'm a very big fan of Wicked um, probably didn't know that about me um, but guess. this, this <laughs> Yeah, shut up. <laughs> I am a big musical fan. Um, but Maleficent is uh, the, and this time it's a different um, Disney villain. Uh, the villain is uh, Maleficent, who was the uh, the wicked fairy who cast a spell on Sleeping Beauty um, in the nineteen fifty four, I believe. You know, no, probably earlier than that. Um, the the nineteen fifties version of uh, Sleeping Beauty. It stars Angelina Jolie as Maleficent, who at the start of the film um, is this lovely fairy who lives in lovely fairyland called the Moors. Um, 
which again takes me back to my Devon childhood. And uh, it's this lovely place full of magic and um, really bizarre creatures. And did any of you see Oz the Great and Powerful? No. No. I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, I did. Uh, This is directed by the guy who did production design for Oz the Great and Powerful. He also did production design for Avatar, uh, and he won an Oscar for it as well. So you can imagine that stepping up from production design to director, he's been given a free hand in creating. It looks fantastic. And yeah, there's some incredible creatures. Um, Now, next to the Moors is a human kingdom. Um, and it's run by an evil king called King Henry who decides to try and take over the Moors. And there's a bloke um, uh, played by Shelto Copley. Copley. And the thing is, if you're going to create a kind of origin backstory for a villain, uh, a really bad villain, in Sleeping Beauty, she's horrible. She, like, curses this young girl to like fall into a deep sleep forever basically pretty shitty thing to do basically so to create a backstory to make her more sympathetic you've actually got to then make people worse than her and that's the problem with this film is that the humans in this film are just horrible for no reason whatsoever and what happens is as a young girl maleficent falls in love with a human who crosses over into their border and they get on really well um but this human grows up and he wants to get he's really ambitious and wants to become king um and so the king basically tries to have maleficent killed and so the guy who has spent his entire life with her fallen in love with her decides that actually he'd rather be king and he cuts off her wings um and then becomes king and you go well that was quite a leap um and then and and then as he gets older he's played by uh shelto copley and basically it's there's it's Almost his his character from Elysium, but with a Scottish accent rather than with a South African. He's a bearded psychopath, um, and he is pretty much making that role his own. Problem is, it's not shocking anymore. He's not very. I'll be honest, I like him, but he's not very good in this. And there's a lot of people who either aren't very good in this, and Ellie Fanning as um, Sleeping Beauty herself, Aurora, not great either. I'll be honest. And then there's some people that are really wasted in this. People like Imelda Staunton as a fairy, a kind of comedy Three Stooges fairy, along with Juno Temple, who I'm a really big fan of, but she's one of these three fairies completely wasted. And Sam Riley, who was in Control and the remake of um, Brighton Rock, um, he plays a kind of weird bird man with an Irish accent. Again, and the problem is, this this film has some... It looks brilliant. It does look brilliant in places. I didn't bother seeing it in 3D. Um, and Angelina Jolie as Maleficent is absolutely fantastic. She's almost channeling David Bowie in Labyrinth, actually. Um, you, you know, David Bowie's when she's evil, she's being Jareth from Labyrinth. And she at one point she says something. I just think that that she's seen Labyrinth loads, and she's decided to do that. It's fucking awesome. Uh, and that's when. But then the rest of it is just a bit weak and a bit paper thin. I I enjoyed it, and I'll tell you what, it was only one hour 37 minutes long. I was, And it's not often I say this, it probably could have done with an extra 10, 15 minutes of characterisation. Uh, it's not often I, I am petitioning for films to be longer. That said, if it had been an extra 10, 15 minutes of rubbish, then no, it's a good length at one hour 37, to be honest. Um, yeah, it it feels like Disney trying to do another Oz the Great and Powerful and at least it was shorter and at least it had a central um, performance which I could really get behind because neither of the three witches in Oz the Great and Powerful they, they were all decent you know, uh, Mila Kunis and uh, Michelle Williams and what's her name 
Mich- uh, Rachel Weiss. Um, they were decent, but none of them had the real kind of you know charisma of um, uh, of Angelina Jolie. And the problem is when she's not on screen, the film just really drags horribly. Luckily, she's on screen for a, a good amount of it. It's it, it's quite enjoyable. I think it would be I think it would be decent enough for kind of young teens, older primary school kids to go and see and i think they'd find bits of it quite scary uh and i think they'd enjoy it and it's not going to test their patience by being over two hours long so it it was decent enough okay uh so now on to the the major uh review we're doing this week which is the newest installment in the x-men series of the x-men franchise that is x-men days of future past here is a clip spine affects my DNA. You sacrificed your power so you could walk. What do you know about it? I've lost my fair share. Ah. Dry your eyes, Eric. It doesn't justify what you've done. You've no idea what I've done. I know that you took the things that mean the most to me. Well, maybe you should have fought harder for them. If you want to fight, Eric, I will give you a fight. Let him come. You abandoned me. You took her away and you abandoned me. Angel. Azazel, Emma, Banshee. We were supposed to protect them. Eric, where were you, Charles? You abandoned us all. Okay, then, that was a clip then of X-Men Days of Future Past, uh, where uh, the, 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 the character, the, te- the actors from um, X-Men First Class team up with those from the original trilogy. Uh, as they look to um, battle the Sentinels. What do we make of this film, then? I, do you know what? I, I'm just going to say right now, I, I really enjoyed this film. Um, but one caveat being, and this isn't a spoiler, um, this is more of a sequel to X-Men First Class than it is some kind of wide-ranging... Um, Superman, uh, superhero X-Men mashup of the entire lot. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. And, and go into it with that expectation and, and I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it quite a lot but there was a bit of a lack of X-Men fighting X-Men for me. <laughs> I will say when you go into... <laughs> they're, all, they're all on the same side, aren't they? Yeah, basically? but when you're going to see a film like that, you do expect a bit, a bit more kicking off. Even though you blatantly know they're all teaming up against the X Men versus everyone. There's got to be some fighting, isn't there? Quite a few graphic novels you'll probably be interested in if you want that. <laughs> Can I just say though, the fighting, the fighting in it that was in it, even though it was an X Men versus other X Men, um, was really quite much better quite a bit better than it had been in previous X-Men films I think it stuff against the Sentinels was brilliant the oh, yeah, just say the opening 15 minutes I I love yeah uh, I, I, I don't think the film quite apart from maybe the last 15 minutes but the the first 15 minutes set its bar so high it was at times a little bit difficult for some of the rest of the film to kind of reach that bar again because there was some there what there was some X X Men and women 
Is that the politically correct term? Do we call them ex-women as well? I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, just people. A, a collective noun. X-Men is fine. X-Men is... Okay, that's good. Um, but, yeah, there, yeah, there were some X-Men that I... Not being um, from the uh, kind of comic book reading fraternity, and it's not through wanting to. I just haven't... I just never have. Um, but there was some that I didn't know about and some really cool new powers that I'd not seen on screen before. And that got me quite excited to begin with. Um, a really, really strong opening to the film, I thought. I absolutely loved it. And I I can't even put really put my finger on it. I'm I'm a huge fan of Brian Singer X-Men films. Uh, mm. I think I made this perfectly clear a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. X-Men 1 and 2 are absolutely fantastic. Uh, I remember going to see the, the original X-Men. I was 18 years old. And bear in mind, at this time, you know, none of, none of this Marvel stuff existed. You know, we had a Blade mm-hmm. film a couple of years before that, but this was the first serious tilt at having yeah. a, a proper comic book film. And, you know, it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but it was, it was just so much fun. And I came up with It treated so its happy. audience as adults, didn't yeah. it? That's what I really enjoyed about it at the time. It's one of the first DVDs I remember buying, actually. Exactly. Uh, and uh, and that w- you're exactly right. It w- it just felt like someone had had a serious go at making, and they they didn't think, oh, this is an easy paycheck, or oh, this is for the kids. He went, no, I just want to make a good superhero, uh, you know, a good comic book movie, and and it is, it really is, and it's had a huge cultural impact as well. And I th- I, I do think without the original X Men series, we wouldn't have had the Avengers and you know that kind of thing. It would it really it helped make those films possible. Yeah, absolutely. And um, X-Men 2 is just one of my favourite films of all time, never mind genre. Mm. Um, so th- this is probably my second favourite film uh, in this series after X-Men 2. And I will be going back to see it in the cinema again. And it made new usurp X-Men 2, given time and familiarity. Wow, it's a bold claim. It's a, it is a bold claim, yeah. I just absolutely loved it. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the book. And... Um, it was just, it was utterly fantastic, just the way it portrayed. First of all, you were saying about the opening 15 minutes, mm. just some of the most brutal, I'm not going to give it away here, um, mm. but just some of the most brutal action you've ever seen. Yeah. Um, you know, in a 12-way. Yeah, some really horrible deaths. No, it was brilliantly shot. Um, and, and the other thing I would say, like I said, it, it feels like a sequel um, to First Class rather than, which is weird, it kind of bridges that gap, but I watched First Class again the night before, because I remember really enjoying First Class, um, and then we chatted about it on the podcast about a year ago, and I remember Owen and Jerry being a little bit less enthusiastic <laughs> than I was, and this time I kind of saw that actually, and I watched it, and it felt a little bit Austin Powers at times yeah. and, uh, I, 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 and there were great bits of it and, there, and I, I'm a big fan of Matthew Vaughan um, but it felt to me like he was trying to make a 60s kind of spy movie yeah it was like a Bond film and use the music. X-Men yeah and, and use the X-Men whereas this actually felt like an X-Men movie yeah. uh, and and this this just felt like oh oh, actually no now this is what an X-Men X-Men film feels like and I think maybe we like First Class so much as because uh, Last Stand was the previous kind of proper X-Men film before that. And it's like, well, it's better than Last Stand, thank God, for yeah. that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> but no, this just this just felt really, really... Um, solid feels like a... Bat, solid almost feels like a backhanded compliment. But it was really, really solid and well thought through. And for a film involving time travel, 
A, I kept up with it, and it really annoys me that newspaper reviews keep talking about it being difficult to follow. Yes. Seriously, how childish do you have to... Uh, episodes of Doctor Who... Uh, they, they, in fact, they throw the same criticism at episodes of Doctor Who sometimes, and I think, well, have you actually watched it? And it's the same thing here. You know, If you actually sit down and watch it... I, I struggle to think who wouldn't keep up with it if you've got some moderate level of intelligence. Yeah, there's at least twice when someone says, oh, hang on, let me get this straight. This yeah. is going to happen. <laughs> Which, yeah, because I, I read exactly those criticisms and I, I was sitting there thinking, I'm not finding... I mean, obviously, as I said, I, I do know the story and I, and I have been uh, keeping up with the films, but I wasn't finding this difficult at all. I, I was with someone who hasn't read the, the story in here and he was keeping up with it absolutely fine i've never it's, read an x-man comic in my life it's not especially close to the comic though i mean no, it takes it's, elements it's, from it is oh yeah similar uh, mm, the, yeah. the basic kind of premises sort of i guess i mean debate going back in time to stop her no, yeah wait in the comics she go yeah she goes back in it's time it's a different she, person who goes back Kitty in time pride the basically goes back in time yeah yeah, yeah. in this it's Wolverine. And it's to stop uh, Senator Kelly, Kelly being killed, but he's already been he's already dead. We've already so. used him, haven't yeah. we? Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> but oh, okay, uh, yeah. yeah, it was just it was really fantastic. It was so funny in parts as well. Um, mm, yeah. Quicksilver's um, thing was oh, just fantastic. Just loved wasn't it. Wasn't that just oh, that and and you know that really puts the pressure on Avengers <laughs> next year. What are you going to do with Quicksilver? Because we we and again in a way. I really admire, and it's not a spoiler, you don't see enough of Quicksilver. You don't. You don't, and I wanted to see more of him, but in a way that's good that they left us wanting more of him. Um, But yeah, it does really kind of put that challenge down to Avengers now, saying, go on then, what are you going to do with Quicksilver? Because he pretty much stole the, well, he stole the scenes he was in hugely, but he almost stole the film, actually, his relatively minor role and that's some going for a film that's got you know McAvoy um, yeah. Fassbender Hugh Jackman yeah. Jennifer Lawrence yeah. Peter Dinklage who's no longer Irish which is which was fun as well <laughs> I think he did turn Irish at some point yeah he was his accent wasn't the most consistent part of the film no, no. but it was it was a bit better than uh, First Class where he, at one point you just turned into Oliver Reed <laughs> yeah. right bizarre. at the end yeah yeah yeah, he's a bit on the, the plane. I thought his accent was wavering a, bit, a little bit, wavering yeah. a little bit. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, uh, but these are minor. The... I mean, there are there are massive, yeah. massive plot holes in there. Why the hell? And this isn't a spoiler because it's in the trailer. And this might be a really stupid question because I haven't heard anyone else asking this. Why the hell did he lift up the stadium? Um, why not? Because it, it, it looks good. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I can. Yeah. <laughs> demonstration of power I, or something. I probably would, yeah. to be honest. I suppose, yeah. I suppose it gives him a good, like ring of protection but you could literally pick up anything to make like there must be loads what's of what's bigger now. what's bigger than the stadium like yeah. that you can he's get just trying to out to um bane from the uh dark knight rises did, you've, just, you've got to have some kind of stadium destruction yeah, <laughs> i did get that a little bit I, I did get that feeling from uh from that uh just a tiny bit that they were trying to kind of yeah. do vain but uh yeah i was just thinking this this looks great but i don't see the need i don't know why <laughs> And yeah, there were a few bits yeah. where I suppose some artistic license has been taken. Yeah. Uh, there were some bits which, if you're not a fan, um, or if you haven't read a bit, and I'll be honest, I did do a bit of background reading before we didn't. I suppose you shouldn't have to go and do background reading before you go in. For example, Wolverine not having kind of adamantium claws. Uh, that's 
shook me through. And it's not a spoiler alert. He goes back in time and he's got bone claws instead of adamantium ones. It's like, uh, and that had, I really had to kind of struggle back in my memory banks. Go, oh, okay, yeah, that kind of makes sense because that, 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 and that. But it, it did make me work for it yeah. in a case. Yeah, it's not, but that's not it's a bad not thing. Spelling things out for you, which I actually quite no. like. Yeah. It has yeah, been covered in the films. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, I, the only other criticism that I have seen um, is that it features a lot of um, Mystique stroke Raven and that in kind of in original films. And I don't know what it's like in the comic books. Um, she isn't quite as a central character. No. And a lot of people are saying that they've done that because she's played by Jennifer yeah. Lawrence and therefore they have to make her a central character. Now, as you two have read the original story and you two are more kind of more knowledgeable in these areas. Is is that a fair criticism? Uh, well, yeah. I don't know whether it's... Because I think it worked for the film. Yeah, I don't yeah. know whether it's a criticism. It's true. Point of view, it worked for the film. But um, I don't know whether it's necessarily a crit- I mean, because on the face of it, she's a brilliant assassin. She can change into whoever she wants. So it definitely makes more sense to have her do it than... Um, I think I think it's Magneto. I actually went to read it and I can't find my book. <laughs> Oh. I was devastated. Um, I think I've lent it out to someone. Note to self, never lend out books again. Um, I think, yeah, but I think it's Magneto that I think... Um, oh, yeah. and you read it just yeah. the other night, yeah. didn't you? Yeah. Um, but he it's goes definitely back. not Mystique, anyway. No, but then there are right. other things that they've done, like Wolverine is the one that goes back. But in the films, that makes perfect sense because, you know, if Kitty went back, she'd be like minus 20 or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I definitely artistic license has been taken with it, but it's all... You know, it all makes sense. There's, there's no, there's no negative connotations to it. Not, not from me anyway. I understand that why they've had to give Jennifer Lawrence a bit of a bigger role. Um, I, I actually feel a bit happier because at the end of First Class, I couldn't really see how she sort of grew into the the later Mystique. Yeah, and I do like Jennifer Lawrence, but I just didn't mm. see how the two fitted together. Mm. You can see how um, Professor X and Magneto kind of match yeah. up. I, you can see that path. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't see it in that one. I could definitely mm. see it in this one, even though she won't really do that now, but that's for later, I think. <laughs> yeah. The only criticism I have with Jennifer Lawrence's um, version of Mystique, really, isn't so much in the way that she's developed through the film, because she, I mean, she is a pretty good actress anyway, isn't she? I mean, mm. she's won yeah. awards, and she, she's been brilliant in quite a few films. Um, and the character she's played is one of the most interested mutants anyway. Um, the only problem I have is it kind of forces a lot of other interesting characters into being just kind of uh, on the sidelines. So you don't really get to see as much of um, Beast as I would have liked. Mm. Um, and it, and you, could, you could argue Wolverine as well. Wolverine as well, yeah. He's um, surprisingly yeah. underwritten in this film. Yeah. That's, not, yeah, that's not a bad thing. No. Because he has had uh, his own two films and you could argue the first two are mainly about him as well, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's he's the one that they kind of pin the franchise on almost, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, so, yeah, he's the one who's been in seven of the films and yeah, that kind of thing. Um, so was it? Well, but yeah, I'm not, again, I'm not even saying that was necessarily a criticism, but it was quite interesting that he is kind of set up as the lead of the film, but I don't he's think he, in terms of the story, he's not the lead. Yeah, yeah, he's just the link, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. but I Although, thought it, I, I thought it, I thought it worked really well. Yeah, hmm. I thought Jackman, and McAvoy and Fassbender together on screen, they work really well off each other, don't they? Yeah. Every yeah. scene they're in is just oozing with this charisma. It's, 
Uh, and it's it's what you get when you actually cast really good yeah. actors uh, in in films like this. Yeah, you know, as as long as someone takes a bit of work on the script, then you're gonna get you're not gonna get a bad film uh, unless you do something terrible in post production. If you've got those three delivering the you know a good bulk of your lines, mm. basically. Mm. Yeah, I would have also I, liked to have seen more of Peter Dinklage as uh, Doctor Trask. Yeah, uh, yeah, big fan of his, and mainly from Game of Thrones, to be honest. Yeah, oh yeah, big fan of Peter, and everyone says yeah, big big pat. Oh yeah, brilliant that he's in this, and everyone is saying that purely, pretty much because of uh, Game of Thrones. I've, I've not seen the Station Agent yet, but I keep kind of meaning to watch it. Uh, and and his role in Elf, that's that's what I know him <laughs> from. But do you know what? He's brilliant in both of those. And he's he's really good in this as well. And it would have been nice to have seen a bit yeah. more of him in this as well. Although talking about, uh, you know, dodgy accents, he didn't do well with his accent, I didn't think. But otherwise... What was his accent? He was I, It was a, like a weird American accent he was putting on. I know he's from America anyway, isn't he? Isn't he from <laughs> New But I don't know what kind he's of... American. Yeah. I can't I don't know what accent he was trying to put on but it sounded very bizarre. I think he was yeah I think he was probably filming Game of Thrones at the same time or something like <laughs> that. I mean, it's, it's just yeah, I, but, but I'll be honest. It didn't. It didn't. It didn't put. I hadn't noticed that actually. No. I'll, I'll look out for that the next time I go I'm, back. And watch I'm gonna it. go and watch it the weekend. Yeah. I'm gonna look out. No, out I won't definitely. be able to not. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I won't be able to let it go. Unfortunately, come back. Um, oh, the accents are dreadful in this. Yeah, I, 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 overall though, I thought it was a great action film. I, I'd, I'd say it's my, it's, it's my favourite comic book film since Avengers. Yeah, I think that's. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. I think it just edges Iron Man 3. Just edges Iron Man 3 for me. Um, oh, I forgot about Iron Man 3. No, it's below yeah. Iron Man 3 for me. But oh, oh I don't know. I need, I need a second watch. Just, I need a second watch of both of them, yeah, actually. Yeah, it but, just edges the Winter Soldier for me, but I've only seen it once. Uh, okay. Uh, see, this just edged Winter Soldier for me. This, mm. this edged Winter Soldier. But, uh, yeah, I, I just really enjoyed it. And it, it's nice to see, um, in a way, it's nice to see good comic book um, films existing outside of I know it's a I know it's a Marvel item, uh, but outside the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So that yeah, that's that's good. Uh, and Brian Singer is doing the sequel as well, isn't he? I I think that how many years has Obama got left in office? Three. I think he yeah. should probably pass a law just saying that Brian Singer is only allowed to do X Men films. It's not very, you know, since he's a suspect, he's not very good at other films. So and he's only allowed to do them, and no one else, and he's also the only one allowed to do. Yeah, X-Men. exactly. And everyone yeah. will just be a lot happier. You yeah. know, it will just everyone will be everyone will be fine with it. I I could deal with that. Yeah, yeah. Because no, you're exactly right. And and again, when I've kind of you guys talked about the debut uh, director debuts, and it is an odd one that. This is the usual suspects was his calling card, and then you see how his career has gone since. It's really, really weird. However, usual suspects and X Men are the ones that really stick with you. Everything else, no. (laughs) Yeah. Well, did he direct Gods and Monsters, or am I thinking of someone else? Oh, I think he did actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's what. But he's not really gone back to his kind of indie-ish roots at all. So, uh, yeah. No, I I agree with you. Let's let's get. Let's get a petition up on 38 degrees. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I think that really brings to a close in our discussion on X-Men, uh, Days of Future Past, unless you want to hang around for spoiler alert after the break. So before we go, um, for those who aren't sticking around for spoiler alert, here is some recommendations for the week ahead. I'm going Saturday night. You've come in from the pub. 
It's half past one in the morning. You don't want to go to bed just yet. Whoa, 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 Steve. I'm 34. It's half ten <laughs> at night when I come in from the pub. Wow, well, there you go. Half past one at night. You come in from the pub. You've had a few beers. I don't want to go to bed just yet. Channel 4 plus one, hot shot. <laughs> <laughs> that is a great shout for that time of night, to be fair. That is a great shout. Uh, James. Um, I've got uh, there's a new DVD out on Monday and it is uh, Dallas Buyers Club. Um, it, it's that great time of year where all the kind of really good award-worthy films from earlier in the year are being released. Twelve Years a Slave was out very very recently. American Hustle was out recently. And yet uh, Dallas Buyers Club. If you haven't got around to seeing it, go and watch it because um, what acting performances? As I think as we said at the time, the film itself is very very decent. Uh, but the acting performances elevate it um, far beyond the sum of its parts. Really great film. If you've not seen it, at least get a rental on it. Uh, Carol? I'm going to go slightly highbrow for mine. On Saturday at 10pm on Sky Arts 2 is the, yeah, is the uh, filmed version of Oklahoma, uh, which is about uh, 15 years old, I think. Um, and it's the National Theatre production with Hugh Jackman in it, a pre-X-Men <laughs> Hugh Jackman. And it's, I wow. watched it at Christmas, um, and it was just, it was fantastic. So uh, I definitely recommend it if, if you like the, You know I'm a musical exactly, fan, though, yeah. so I'm, I'm getting on that. Yeah. Is, is this Jackman singing it again? Yes, it is. Mm. It's quite he, long. He can sing and dance. He is... He's, mm. he's, he's, <laughs> he's, I, and, and look how good-looking he is. Oh, what a bastard. He's just... Utter, utter bastard. He's the ultimate package. And he seems like a nice guy as well. Yeah. I mean, seriously. What the, what the hell is wrong with <laughs> uh, Owen? Uh, okay, on uh, BBC4 at 9pm on Friday um, is the documentary Searching for Sugar Man, uh, directed by Malik Benjalil, I think you pronounce his name, who died yeah, recently. Oh. Yeah, um, yeah, took his own life. Didn't yeah, it? It yeah, very, very sad story. Um, um, great documentary as well, Owen. Yeah, definitely. it's brilliant. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Don't read up about and, it. Yes, yeah, that's it. If you don't it. know about it, just watch it. Yeah. Just that's really important. Deserves the praise it's got um, yeah. and the awards. So I think it won the Oscar for best for best it documentary. So yeah, definitely get that watched. Okay, so yes, that's all for this week's podcast. Unless you're staying around for spoiler for X Men. Uh, if you haven't seen the film and you listen on past this point, we can't be held responsible uh, for you having the film ruined for you. But if you yes, Matt Lambert. yes, Matt Lambert. But if you want to stick around, listen to us talk about the film in, in more depth, then you're more than welcome to join us. Okay, spoiler alert for X-Men Days of Future Past. Where are we going to start with this then? Where are we going to start? Should we start at the post-credit scene? Let's start at the end. Yes. With yeah. the post-credit scene of someone and the pyramids. Uh, comic book people, tell us about this. <laughs> uh, it was Apocalypse. It would have been probably more interesting had the next film not already been announced as X-Men Apocalypse. Mm. I think it would have been mm. a lot more exciting if we didn't know anything about it. Uh, so, uh, obviously, everyone, you, you kind of fade up on someone in ancient Egypt. Everyone's charting Ensabanur, which is his Egyptian name. Uh, I, I, I thought it was a woman. 
uh, and I wasn't alone in thinking that in my <laughs> screen, but apparently it was just a very a small boy, um, and it's Apocalypse of a Small Boy, and he's basically like uh, the original mutant, and uh, he kind of goes through time. He, he's kind of involved in everything crap that happens, really. Uh, so it's going to be it's going to be quite an interesting one. If you weren't sure who it was, uh, as it pans round, there's four horsemen of the apocalypse behind him, just to mm. make it perfectly clear. Yeah. I'm glad I I'm glad I knew I, I knew that's what the I knew who the post credit trailer was about. Um so that helped for me because otherwise I would have had no clue, I'll be honest. It's a bit like at the end of Avengers. Yeah, I was gonna say it's a bit like Thanos. I, I was like, Yeah, I was like yeah, who's that? Hang on, is that a, is that a Red Hulk? What? Uh yeah, kind of, and yeah, so that's what I had there. And here I at least I had forewarning. Um otherwise I might have reacted like Owen. Yes, I thought it was auto bollocks. I am sick of these fingers. I'm I'm just fed up with them. I stick around for them all the time, and they're just pointless and such a waste. They're good if they're well done. The the one at the end of Winter Soldier is excellent. The best one I've seen is probably for for the longest time at the end of the Wolverine. Actually, yeah, the one at the end of the Wolverine was good. Okay. The one for the I just thought what an utter waste of time. I don't know that sounds quite mean anyway because you know going, uh, watching the credits, the names of the people who've been involved in this multi-million pound yeah. film I've just spent in the last two hours watching. Wow, what a fucking waste of time I've spent wait, waiting for their names to scroll <laughs> past my eyeballs. But the post-credit scene on this, I just thought, what? it's nothing. It doesn't do anything. It's just like, oh, you know what the next film is, and there's Apocalypse. And also, it's not mid-credit. They actually made you raise yeah. right till the end. Till the yeah. end. It's not like the Marvel one where they give you the important one mid-credits and then they give you a nice throwaway one right yeah. at the end. No, I think um, the Wolverine one was like that as well, though, wasn't it? Oh, was yeah, it? Uh, I think yeah. so. I haven't seen well, it. I, did, I, I thought that was quite quite a good one. I liked the one at the end of the Wolverine. This, no, just I'm not, I think that's it now. I'm done with them. I'm not going to bother staying around. <laughs> just go look, them on, look at them on I'll YouTube. I'll wait for someone to tell it's me. It's literally I'm... five minutes, Owen. Yeah. Uh, it's five minutes that could be getting to the car and getting five minutes uh, I won't ever get back yeah. <laughs> Owen's one of those who leaves the football five minutes before the beat the traffic oh, beat the traffic he doesn't, he's going to start doing the same with films though isn't he yeah yeah no. <laughs> At least five minutes before the end yeah, of the usual I'll look at the ending on Wikipedia when I get home. Yeah. <laughs> Shall anyway, we so let's move on. Yeah. Yes, let's talk about let's talk about death. Did anyone else cheer yeah. when Storm got it? Was it just me? <laughs> kinda did, kinda did. <laughs> uh, I think one of the I, I I do think one of the little criticisms I had about the film actually was the fact that the second time round the deaths just didn't have that much impact. I already saw mm. them once. Uh, mm. Although they were really Savage. I can't remember which time we saw Colossus die. Was it the first or the second one where he gets pulled in half? Second. The second yeah, one. That was just yeah, that was that horrible. Was... I yeah. winced. Even though yeah, you can quite was... obviously see it's it's not real, but it was it was awful. Same when uh, Iceman's head gets taken off. Yeah. Horrible. There was some... Yeah. Oh, um, talking. Who... Just I know this isn't really a spoiler yeah. worthy for spoiler alert. Carol, the the, uh, the you know you've got Iceman there. Who's the guy who's on fire? Because I couldn't pick the only thing. Fireman. <laughs> it's yeah, not Human um, Torch, is it? It can't no. be Human Torch. Some I know he's in Days of Future Past comic, but he's not in these no. these franchise. They don't own the rights to him. No, Do you know who it was? Uh, it's Sunspot. Ah, oh, sun- yeah, okay. He's Lady basically Storm. like Pyro, but he can yeah. make fire as well. And yeah. okay. He's a much he's better nuclear one. Nuclear blaster. Yeah. 
that that was cool. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll be honest. Well. I, mm. Is that the one with the portal? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that that was really well done. That was really really well shot. Again, Michael Bay, take note. That that should have been really complicated and difficult, and it was just it, it looked really simple on screen, but obviously would have taken a huge amount of. Uh, a work around that yeah. but you knew what was going on there so that was really good that was really yeah. nicely done I was a bit disappointed that I, uh, I didn't really I didn't recognise it was Omar Sire's um, <laughs> yeah. Bishop because yeah. I knew he was in yeah. it and then at the end I saw Omar Sire hang on yeah he was it who was it? oh right okay it was the black guy, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the black guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it did disappoint me how little screen time he got I'm a big fan of Bishop mm. and yeah. uh, he wasn't in it really nearly enough but I kind of knew he wasn't going to be anyway right. he was, yeah. you know, haven't, haven't all these um, these characters signed up for, I think I read the person who played Link is, is signed up for five films yeah but the thing is when they sign them up for five films that's entirely like the powers just in the studio's hands there. they don't have to bring them back for five films no, no but it, it, impli- it implies that there might good, there yeah. might be a plan and if and if they want to then they can yeah. it's like exactly. um it's like um Chris Evans appearing in Thor 2 that's one of his appearances isn't no it that? didn't count didn't it? No. Oh, I was. Th- oh, I thought it did no, it count. count. Oh, right. I was going to say it's actually ah. like um, Sebastian Stan. He signed up for like nine films or something. Of course, it. yeah. But obviously yeah. they don't have to make nine films. And it? Samuel L. Jackson's got a huge amount, but he can just drop in and out of his Marvel Marvel ones in various different guises as well. He's got the Agents of Shield thrown into his. And... Yeah. Yeah. I was just, was just going to say, do you think the Sky TV advert counts? <laughs> Anyone else worried about the lack of Juggernaut and Vinnie Jones in this film? No, not really. <laughs> not at all. No? Not at all. Whole... Uh, do you know what I did? I missed Alan Cumming as Nightcrawler. I missed that. Yeah. Because I, like, I, really like, I really like Alan Cumming, full stop. I think he's great. And that, yeah. But there's no way you could have fitted him in here. I was just like, oh, but there, were, there were already scene. so many characters, though. Yeah. You could have done really... right at the end. I suppose, yeah, you could have done it at the end. Yeah. Uh, which made me um, do a little... If, if you were in Epsom Odeon last Thursday and you heard someone squealing in delight when Jean Grey turned around, I'm really yeah. sorry, that was me. As you know what, someone <laughs> in my screening did, went, oh my God, it's Jean! <laughs> I thought it was going to be some crappy like, look-alike thing and I thought, oh, she's not going to turn around, he's just yeah. going like, yeah. to fade out. She turned around and I was like, oh my yeah. God. How did, yeah, how did everyone react to that? Dick Cyclops was back. Oh, and it's like, oh, right. Uh, absolute dick. And, uh, and the older beast as well. That, that made yeah. me that feel Was that Kelsey Grammer? Was that Kelsey Grammer? Yeah. Survived to the end or something. I'm sure I read that. Yeah. Uh, yeah so uh, I, I suppose the only other major thing for spoiler alert is really, so so basically the original trilogy it, it's not happened, like in, well, in terms of the yeah, timeline. We're in an alternative timeline, yeah. Though, aren't we? Yeah, the timeline is different, and only Wolverine knows what happened, and, well, and, I just and possibly to... Professor X a little bit because his mind went back a bit or something. I just took it as a massive fuck you to Brett Ratner, which is always. I'm happy with that. Just, you know, fuck you. I, can I just say, I, I, I feel a little bit bad for Brett Ratner. I don't. Not because... <laughs> it wasn't his script, was no, it? No, no, it wasn't. He came in really late. He's just like, he's just like the He's become hand. a totem. But he, yeah, he's yeah. just a... a yeah. I think he's and just... he's not like, exactly a... He's not exactly a, a brilliant director. No, <laughs> Again, he's very birthday. He, he's, a, he's the Peter Reed of 
kind of, <laughs> of directing. Just because he's done it before, people think he can do it again. Kind of, he's one of those that just keeps getting jobs, and you go, "Why do you keep getting work?" Oh, it's because you've done it before. Um, and that's Brett Ratner. And apparently, he's he's, he's actually working on Beverly Hills Cop reboots or something now. So, um, good luck good to luck Brett. That. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it is. It does kind of basically reset up the whole. Uh, the whole universe, doesn't it? Although my understanding is that X Men Apocalypse is still going to, it's going to be the the first class cast, yeah, um, uh, fighting, yeah, fighting against Apocalypse. I'm really, dis- I thought it was going to be Age of Apocalypse, which is a, a different story altogether. Um, right, but it's not. Age of Apocalypse is quite a, an epic X Men mm. classic, you know, involving another sort of alternate future story. Oh uh, no, I don't think they're doing that. I think but they're not doing that, are they? It is just X Men. Apocalypse. Yeah, I think that would be too uh, too much, really. Yeah, and, and they could just go back in time again and retcon it all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's already got the four horsemen, um, whereas he would have to like recruit because he yeah. recruits Angel, doesn't Angel, he? Angel, yeah, yeah, that's Dark good. Angel. Oh, hang on, yeah, so that won't work. Yeah, oh well, goodness, don't know yeah. now. Oh, no. don't know now. Gone back to the start, hasn't it? But he'd only be about ten. Although she she was dead by the time the events of Thingy happened. By the time they stop the assassination she's already dead isn't she oh wait she sorry i'm actually thinking about angel in the last day oh yeah. oh right sorry there's, yeah, there's too no. many angels <laughs> yeah is that is that a completely different angel yeah from, angel uh, warren worthington i think his name is one of oh, the first right. one of the first x-men yeah oh i, I see because the woman she's... with wings from first class didn't they call her yeah, angel she was called angel in the film yeah. but i can't remember what her name was she just uh, oh you know in last stand this is why i get confused. in last stand they <laughs> use angel as in the guy with the wings and he's yeah. just right. pointless he just turns up at the end for the big fight and uh, that's it but it, you see his story as he tries to cut off his own wings in the bathroom he's that guy right. yeah. Um, yeah, okay yeah yeah he yeah. just sort of appears for a bit and then disappears again flies out no. the window that's yeah it. Yeah, I don't remember a lot of Last Stand. I'll be <laughs> I try. I, try I haven't watched it again. Yeah. <laughs> I, my my overriding memory of Last Stand is still Vinnie Jones. That's how bad the film was. <laughs> I need to pee. <laughs> there was some good stuff with Vinnie Jones, though. I'm going to stick up for that bit a little. When he's fighting with Kitty Pride and they're going through all the walls and stuff. I thought there was some there was some decent action scenes I, in the I last didn't band. think he was. T- I didn't actually think he was a bad shout. It's just some of the uh, some of the lines he was required to deliver. Yeah, yeah, got on my nerves. Got, but then yeah. you can say that about. I think there's one about. There's one that Magneto does as well, where he lifts up uh, the bridge, the Golden Gate Bridge, mm. and he goes, "Oh, Charles always wanted to build bridges," and I actually groaned out <laughs> loud. So I was like, "No, yeah. that's not that's not what you'd say." Your best friend that, died. Doesn't Ian McKellen kind of have the gravitas to go, I'm not saying that for fuck's sake. He he does sound, at some points in that film, he does look and sound bored. Yeah. Like, he's really in, you know, fed up. I'm, I'm contractually obliged to this film, let's just get it over and yeah, done with. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and all I'd say is, um, the other, in uh, Days of Future Past, I kind of, I would have liked to have seen a bit more McKellen in that as well. It was mm. a little bit, yeah. Well, uh, again, going back to what I said right at the beginning, it's not a kind of. It doesn't, in terms of the narrative, doesn't really span the whole decade into uh, the whole 
age no. uh, in terms of uh, its narrative. We kind of keep popping back to keeping on them, and then the, the, the vast majority takes place in the 1970s. Yeah, and, and that's exactly what I said to people when um, when it first got announced, and they kind of ex- kept expanding the cast and expanding the cast, and everyone was like, oh, there's too many people in this. And I, and I said, well, no, because you're only going to get the, the kind of the old ones or the mm. recent ones at the beginning and end, and then yeah. periodically through probably the film. You're not, you know... Not going to be the main I didn't character. even realise. I didn't even see Rogue in it until I saw a name in the credits. I don't. <laughs> I saw. I saw. I saw right at the end. Yeah. And apparently she was after um, Kitty Pryde got stabbed. She was kind of nursing her. At, like apparently. Oh, I didn't even see uh, that. But I saw her. Yeah. In apparently the school. she she was she was one of the people kind of. Uh, but like loads of her stuff was cut. But she was one of the people kind of uh, nursing the wound after Kitty Pryde got stabbed. Never saw that. No. And were the Sentinels really fucking cool? Actually, yeah. I just wanted to say that. Again, I, I don't know what they're like in the comic books, but I I did like the the cinematic version of them, and they were quite terrifying. They seemed yeah. quite prominent. I thought they were going to use Master Mold at some point. I thought just because it's Trask and you know you've got all these Sentinels and how they're being developed, I thought at some point they would have him, but they didn't. So no, I think the sen- I think the Sentinels were quite enough to be honest. They were, yeah. Um, they yeah, they were really brutal, and, and there were bits, especially the the later iteration, um, yeah. mm. where they were kind of like, uh, well, they explained it all with Mystique's uh, blood and everything, where mm. they were mm. kind of adapting to the powers and stuff. That was just and basically unbeatable. That 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 gave you the peril. That yeah. was that the, the X Men in the future had no way of stopping them. That 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 was that's your peril for the film there, and that was that was quite interesting in the they could have a good fight with them, but they were going to get beat every single time. Yeah. Uh, and that, that was a nice, that was quite a nice choice. Yeah, I thought that was taken, I thought it was brought across really, really well. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that rounds off, uh, spoiler alerts, uh, and that rounds off the Failed Critics podcast this week. So thanks to everyone who's contributed. Thanks to everyone who's listened. We'll be back next week with James. What's up next week? Uh, next week we have. I'm so excited. It's a Tom Cruise sci-fi film. I'm so excited. <laughs> Edge of Tomorrow is out, and Tom Cruise sci-fi films are for me like Van Damme is for Owen. <laughs> I'm so excited about this film. Um, I, I don't know why, but I am. And there is another film out as well, which I can't remember now. Yeah, it's the um, um, Million Ways to Die in the West. Oh, yeah, that's why I can't remember it, because it's Seth MacFarlane yeah. with his punchable face. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, and I've already seen Peter Bradshaw, uh, the man from The Guardian who called me a snob because I didn't like Ted, has said that he's looking forward to A Million De- Ways to Die in the West because people are saying they don't like it. What a contrary <laughs> So I'll probably like it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to get into another argument with him on Twitter again this week, I've decided. We'll look out for that, definitely. Yeah. The return. <laughs> Alright, um, yeah, so that's all for this week. Join us next week for that.